For more than a decade, Saturdays and Illegal Curve have been synonymous with one another. With insight, analysis, and interviews regarding the Winnipeg Jets, the Manitoba Moose, and all around the NHL, here are Dave Manouk, Ezra Ginsberg, and your host, Drew Mandel. The Illegal Curve Hockey Show starts now. Good morning, Winnipeg. Good morning, Manitoba. For all those joining us live this morning on our YouTube channel and all of our social media platforms, we say good morning, universe, and welcome to the Legal Curve Hockey Show with Drew, with Dave Manuk in the absence of Ezra Ginsberg. I'm your host, Drew Mandel, here for the next two hours to talk about everything to do with the Winnipeg Jets. Ken Weeb is going to join us at the bottom of the hour. Anthony Sanfilippo at the bottom of hour number two. Dave, I say good morning to you. How are you doing on this Saturday morning? Good to see you, my fine sir. I am doing <laughs> well. How are you, Drew? Well, you know, with all this talk yesterday about pace, I thought yes. I decided that I would today start uh, try and improve my pace to the intro of the show to really get people into it, to get make sure that I'm playing at the pace that I need to play at to be at my best to do this show, just like the Winnipeg Jets need to be playing with pace to be at their best to perform and, and get their wins uh, <laughs> when they uh, when they face uh, the Philadelphia Flyers later tonight. I thought, as Kenny's water bottle points out, <laughs> that you were just trying to make up for all the time that we were delayed, and instead you were just trying to, hey, look, I like the theme. I like that you're trying to keep the continuity from yesterday's Jets practice, the the, the commentary that was coming out of there yesterday. So I think that's a, a good way to start the show because, yes, pace pace was a buzzword yes. in, uh, in the media availabilities yesterday. No media availabilities today, which is a little unusual. No morning skate. For yeah. the Jets, which again is a little unusual, given the fact that four uh, four guys, including Connor Hellebuck, uh, Nikolai Ehlers, Dylan DeMello, and Pierre Luc Dubois, didn't skate yesterday at practice. But uh, Rick Bonus did say they, the four were maintenance. I think he said Connor Hellebuck would get on the ice today, and that the four were just simply maintenance, dealing with some well, not necessarily Connor Hellebuck, but the other three were dealing with some bumps and bruises. Yeah. So, uh, and and you know the reality is nobody's one hundred percent during the this point of the season so everybody's dealing with some sort of malaise yeah and uh anyway so yeah i mean it's it's it's, it's just an interesting i know like it's funny because i said first time and then Murat tweeted back at me saying well no they do this on back i'm like well no, i know they do it on back to backs and he said something <laughs> to do it on the road but i mean I, I said to him like i've never i mean as someone who documents this and looks at every you know puts the pregame media availability on our pregame report I don't ever recall doing this for a home game. Let's put it that way. Maybe it's Certainly again, is. with the exception of obviously a back to back, it's a different story, but right. for, for a, just a random home game, I don't ever remember well, a that. random home game that starts at a normal time with six o'clock. Right. Yeah. Cause yeah. you know, everybody was prepared. You know, I was even going to suggest to you guys earlier in the week, but I forgot that, you know, maybe we should broadcast from the arena for this morning's game, given that, you know, it's a Saturday night, it's at home. There's you know going to be a morning skate happening. Good That'd thing we funny. didn't go through all those, <laughs> uh, the dog and well, pony show. It's still, it's still, it's still a good backdrop. It would have been a good backdrop. It like we like our own, we are like our respective backdrops, right. including the picture of the three of us. That's right, exactly. But in any event, uh, it is a bit of an unusual move. But I can understand it. You know, they talked about all the the bumps and the bruises and everything about that the Jets are trying to. Oh, look who's decided to uh, stroll on <laughs> in and join us. Good morning, Not boys. Thanks for having me on. Yes, exactly. Who gave him the code to get into the show, Dave? How uh, well, Ezra, my first question to you is. <laughs> How's the By computer? the way, as he spe- just so you know, Spencer Sutton suggested that you uh, run a disk defrag, and uh, some of the other chatters were saying, "Don't upgrade to Windows 11," which is weird because you're using a Mac computer. <laughs> yeah, this computer is definitely uh, on the way out. I don't, I have no idea what disk defrag means, but I'll definitely try it. I mean, there's just there's something going on. So sorry about that, boys. I was listening to the show. It's been a good show so far. So I'm glad that my computer is cooperating, and uh, we can get going here. 
There you go. Exactly. We were talking about, uh, Ezzy, the buzzword after yesterday's practice and that being pace. What about stubbornness? Well, I mean, you know, that, that, that too, I guess. To, to I'm pretty sure to... Bones used like stubborn at least, I don't know, five times uh, after the game on Thursday night. Well, I mean, they were being stubborn on, uh, after the game on Thursday night, trying to, you know, do things and, and go with, you know, the, what was the quote I saw? You know, we're trying to make plays that work one every, you know, a hundred times. And, you know, it's not, it's not a recipe for success, of course. And so that was the talk. You know, there was a lot of, uh, you know, Josh Morrissey was sort of pouring cold water on the idea that, you know, things are, are, are you know, there needs to be a, a degree of panic. I think he thought that there was a, a tone of panic and maybe some of the questions that they were facing yesterday uh, from the media after after Thursday's game against the Buffalo Sabres. And he poured cold water on that as something that, you know, they don't need to worry about. But the issue of pace, that's a good one. And I'm glad that, that was brought up and I'm glad that that was sort of discussed because they really haven't played with that necessary pace. And they haven't played their game since that, with the exception of that game, probably in Pittsburgh, I would mm-hmm. say even the Ottawa game, that was a pretty one-sided uh, victory uh, uh, by the Jets. But more often than not, over the last couple of weeks where they've been in this little bit of a, let's call it a, a slog, because calling it a struggle is probably overstating things. I mean, you know, uh, they're still, you know, in the last seven games, it's not like this This is a team that needs to be panicked. There are they're three and four in their last seven. Yeah, that's not going to get it done over the course of a year. But if that is what your struggle looks like, uh, you know, whereas majority of the time you're playing at a higher, you know, higher winning percentage or a higher points percentage, then you're probably okay. So let's call it a slog that they're in. How do they get out of this slog? They talked about it yesterday. They said all the right things. They said they need to be playing. Were they the right things? Like to me, like there's a lot of hyperbole. Like right now they're not playing well. Like so you can call it pace. You can call it stubbornness, everything like that, right, boys? And, yeah, sure, like, you know, it is a slump, Drew. Like, they've lost four of their last six games. And if you throw in the Arizona game, that could be five of their last six, right? So, I mean, like, let we're not confusing slump with, you know, the Jets falling out of a playoff spot, right? Because I think anytime you hear slump, Jets fans get a little bit nervous based on what happened last year, right? So yeah. they're comfortably in second in the Central, guys. Everybody knows that. Even though you have Colorado – nipping at your heels they're still comfortably in second comfortably in a playoff spot but it starts with scoring goals like you know we've talked about this how many games as of late have the jets only scored a goal right a lot mm-hmm. lately mm-hmm. Um, four, of their, four of their last six right so um and they only scored a couple against arizona so it starts with you know they need some more contributions from third and fourth line guys dave but they also need guys like mark shifley and you know kyle connor pierre luc dubois blake wheeler to step up like Yes, Adam Lowry is currently in a long uh, goal scoring slump, but he's not your primary goal scorer. So right. you know that it starts with that. I mean, and it and it also you know could help if you played a little bit better, you know, defensively and turned the puck over. So there's a there's a lot here. And again, I'm I'm not you know concerned about the Jets missing the playoffs. That's not at all what I'm talking about. But they haven't exactly had the hardest schedule, right? Like you're talking about losses to Montreal. You're talking about losses, you know, to the Buffalo Sabers. Like even though the Sabers are a, a team that, you know, we expect to continue to be competitive for a playoff spot. I think they're three points back, if I'm not mistaken. And they're battling with the Florida Panthers to catch Pittsburgh and Washington, right? So, I mean, there's no doubt right now that the Jets are not playing very well. And they're healthy, right? Like, with the exception of Mason Appleton, guys, and I guess, you know, Gus Bus could be thrown in there, but we know that Appleton's going to come back eventually. And Gus Bus, as Dave has documented on IllegalCurve.com, that's not serious. So they're, you know, 95% healthy or something like that. Call it that, right? So you can't blame that. You can't blame travel. 
the next two games are, as far as I'm concerned, must wins. Like you, you have to win these games. And I think they will. Like, I think they're going to have a much better effort and, and poor flyers because all the Jets goal scoring struggles. I think, you know, there's going to be an explosion tonight. I think the Jets players, coaching staff, nobody was happy with that last game against the Sabres. And I do expect the Jets to pop in four or five tonight. Well, you talk about that. So they said all the right things, or they said things, whether or not you think they're the right well, things. that's exactly right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. They said things. <laughs> they said they, things, they said things that, that sounded like, you know, what we wanted to hear. That's right. They acknowledged that their performance as of late hasn't been hasn't been up to snuff. So, Dave, do you expect to see that better response that, as he just said, he expects to see them be able to score on a Philadelphia Flyers team that is, uh, they're just not a really good hockey team. We've seen that the, the holes that the Flyers have uh, you know, in, in their roster, we saw it, you know, it was evident, you know, last week, you know, it's a Flyers team that, you know, gives up a lot, you know, doesn't score a ton, you know, they're just a middling hockey team. Do you, did you hear what you needed to hear yesterday that leads you to believe that the Jets are going to be able to, you know, spend the next two games rectifying what has been ailing them over the past six or seven? Yeah, well, I mean, you've got Philadelphia, and as we've documented, they're what seventh right now in their in their division. So they're they're not a very good hockey team. They've come in, I believe, losing their last two games in overtime. But they're you know just they're, we saw them three games ago. They're not yeah. a very good hockey team. This is a team that the Jets, you know, can and should be able to handle. And and yeah, you should be able to look. You've been very good at home. You're seventeen and seven in Canada Life uh, Center. So I mean, that's that works in your favor, and. Maybe it's freezing cold out, so maybe that helps, uh, you know, freeze out the flyers a little bit because of the polar polar vortex we're, we're suddenly dealing with. We went from a balmy, what, minus uh, six to uh, to minus 40. So anyways, the point of the story is that it's just been a difficult slog, but you, you do have an opportunity to kind of build something right now against, you know, a flyers team that isn't, you know, isn't kind of finding itself right now. They're finding themselves to be where they are, which is not a very good hockey team and allows the Jets to kind of get back, uh, you know, to their groove. And then you have a, a final game against St. Louis, which kind of, you know, St. Louis, they've been dealing with a lot, obviously, and getting pumped by Arizona the other day. What was it? Five, nothing. That's, that doesn't do a lot for the confidence when you're losing to the Arizona Coyotes, five, nothing. So the blues are in a bit of trouble as well. And that gives you an opportunity to kind of, you know, let it, leave it all out there. And there's some question marks, right? We don't know about whether Dylan Sandberg is coming back in the lineup. Mason Appleton, again, someone was asking in the chat what his status is. And Rick Bonus said he's he said Dylan he Dylan did stay late on the ice though, Dave. So I would I would think Logan Stanley's playing tonight. Yeah, but but I'm saying that in yeah, no, no, but what I'm suggesting as he though is that for like a guy like Mason Appleton, Rick Bonus said he was um uh he wouldn't rule him out for today or Monday. But I mean again, he's I don't not. know why you you would no Monday. It's game Monday? Game's Monday. It's Monday or Tuesday, guys. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's Tuesday. I thought it was Tuesday. I have to re. I have to change my whole schedule. If it's, I'm, I'm, I'm like ninety percent. Oh it's either the day oh, after please. Monday or it's the day before Tuesday. It guys. is Monday. What are you calling into question? The guy who does this. You I know? had no we'll bring, idea. We'll bring in Kenny. We want to talk. Kenny. Kenny can. can you know, <laughs> I, 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 Drew. Kenny, Drew. Can you, can you Monday, this buddy. Whole Monday versus yes. Tuesday debate. It's a raging debate yeah, right now. Yeah. Yeah. I'm on a plane on Tuesday morning, so I'm I'm planning <laughs> to attend and cover the game on on uh, Monday night. <laughs> There we go. Well, I'm glad you are because apparently I was going to be a little <laughs> bit delayed as I'm showing up 24 hours late on Tuesday and wondering where everybody is. Good morning, Ken. Good morning. Nice to be with uh, everyone. How's the start to the day going here? 
well, you know, we've had some computer troubles, we've got some date troubles, but now that you're here, everything is trending upwards, uh, let's say. So we're thrilled that you're able Beautiful. to join us. I mean, I know that uh, we, I, I texted you, I can't speak for the other buffoons here, but this is our first time uh, getting together since you made your uh, your debut on uh, HNIC. Uh, what, what I didn't know what you did, Dave. Or, I, or I didn't you? text. I didn't have to text Ken because I was we in the press box, and I personally congratulated him. Well, there on you that thank you. And Kenny knew that I was just watching back here in the peg, so Kenny didn't need me to text. He knew that I was, you know, with him supporting him, right? You guys are beautiful humans. Thank you very much. That I was, have to uh, say, it was quite a quite a quite a day. That's for sure. I'm not. I'm not sensing the same level of emotion that uh, you know for joining us as you had when you when you joined them. And I don't know if that's just a you know is that maybe an oversight or or the the good drugs are kicking in today, but whatever it is, I just don't sense get the same hey. sense of uh, pride and esteem bubbling up from you. Hey, I love being on. Uh, you know, I love talking hockey at all on all platforms, including this one. You know that. Otherwise, I wouldn't be here. Otherwise, that's I wouldn't true. be here. We know that. Uh, you know, I guess you you thought you'd be down. You thought you'd be downtown right now, and then they sort of threw a curveball at all of us. <laughs> where uh, there's no morning skate, so that sort of came out of uh, that was a bit of a surprise. You know, after yesterday, I'd say. Yeah, I mean, I, I would put it this way. Uh, I mean, we know that the uh, excuse meter has been low. Uh, the solutions meter has been high. So to me, this is a. Uh, Two coaches, not just the Jets, the Flyers are not skating either, even though they were in Minnesota the day before uh, and practiced there before they flew over. So I, I would just put it this way. I mean, teams are all getting around that 50 to 52 game range. Uh, there's been quite a bit of hectic travel in the month of January as people get ready for their, you know, five day break plus the all-star break. Uh, it just seems like, you know, you're trying to get your work done in the in the shorter practices rather than get your get your body up twice. I mean, again, we know that the morning skate isn't overly taxing, but mm -hmm. the process of getting, you know, getting geared up, getting geared down, ready. You know, the Jets will have a meeting this afternoon and will try to exert all their energy into tonight's game. Same for the Flyers. I think everyone's just kind of in that situation where you're grinding towards the break and you want to try to have your the tank as full as possible as you look to empty it, uh, I think, in the next couple of games here. That would be kind of my interpretation of it. Uh, in terms of the questioning, uh, I mean, Dave, I, I'm with you. I mean, earlier in the week, Rick said it was most likely Mason would be after the break. And just since the... Since the fact he was unable to get out of the you know non-contact yesterday, I, I do think he is ruled out uh, of the last two here, and I think they're just gonna, more of a caution cautionary. Mm -hmm. you know, if it were the playoff game, if the playoffs were starting on Tuesday, I think maybe you'd see Appleton get in a game or two here, but just based on the fact that he's been out for so long, I think they're just going to give him the opportunity to just get a couple more days or 10-day break or whatever it ends up being, 8- mm -hmm. to 10-day break, so he can be fully healthy as they get ready for after the All-Star game and the bye week. Uh, and that also would give them a little bit more time to make uh, one of those important roster decisions that will be looming. Uh, and in terms of Sandberg, uh, I, I also do think that he's going to be out for at least one more game here. Uh, just sounded like you know, Logan Tom or uh, sorry Logan no, Logan Thompson doing a great job in Vegas. <laughs> Didn't play last night. Uh, heading to the speaking of all stars, Brandon yes. Weed King's uh, alum heading to Florida as well. But uh, Logan Stanley with two games under his belt, I think he'll get a third. I uh, just spoke with him briefly yesterday. I know he came. He was off the ice a little bit earlier. Sounded like he was feeling like he was feeling better. Uh, felt better in game two than in game one, and it seemed like all signs pointed for him to be in the lineup. So unless there's some you know uh, a 
banged up body. Well, we know that Dylan DeMello didn't skate yesterday, so but he is expected to go along with Nikolai Ehlers, Pierre-Luc Dubois, and Connor Hellebuck, all of whom missed the Friday activities. So I think that's where we're at in terms of the lineup, unless there's a, another curveball thrown in the uh, you know 4 or 3.30 p.m. availability. Uh, those would be the people that we expect to see on the ice against the Flyers this evening. Yeah, people would be really shocked when you go out there for morning skate, for you for the pregame skate. That'll be a real curveball. Uh, Kenny, you know, based on the the, the comments yesterday, yeah. you know, the, the, obviously everyone acknowledged, all the players acknowledged that you know the, the 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 play hasn't been the level that they want it to be at over the last, let's say, six, seven, eight games, whatever number yeah. you want to use. Sure. You know, did you hear what you what you sort of expected to hear did you hear anything that maybe was uh surprising to you as you went around the room and as you spoke to Rick Bonus yesterday in the course of the uh in the course of the media availabilities it's interesting i mean i think that this, this group's been very honest with itself um you know throughout the course of the season so i, I thought it was you know there was a bit of defiance i think and i, and I actually kind of liked it to be quite frank from from Josh Morrissey mm-hmm. Uh, he didn't really appreciate the skies falling kind of that was his interpretation of the questioning and I like it. I mean, I, I think that that's that's leadership, guys. I mean, if if Josh is out there saying, "Oh, you know what? For the last ten games, we've been garbage, and I don't know when we're going to be good again," then all of us are going, "Oh my! Whoa! What's what's he talking about?" Uh, so I actually quite liked it. I mean, and when I say defiant, I mean. Josh is such a you know very kind and humble person. He wasn't attacking anybody verbally by any stretch, but I I got the sense that in terms of the what was said versus what was unsaid, I think Josh made it quite clear that they need to get back to their identity. But I think he also made it very abundantly clear that uh, the sample size over the fifty game total should tell you, I, and anyone else who's wondering if the Jets are about to fall off the cliff. Uh, that was his own personal version of the wake up. I think it was, you know, we've shown you for a, you know, almost three quarter, you know, over half of the season that this is the kind of team that we are. So if there's a, uh, a stumble during a eight to ten game block, uh, eight of eight of which eight of those games which have been played on the road, uh, and an East West combo platter. Uh, I think that he made it quite clear that, you know, they aren't thrilled about the last little while, but he was quite happy with their ability to still manage to be in games when they weren't at their absolute best. So to me, I thought that was a good show of leadership. And um, I I thought that, you know, and he also, but at the same time, also being quite frank and knowing that, you know, have they been playing fast enough? No. I mean, Blake Wheeler said it (laughs) Also, mm-hmm. we haven't been playing with pace. And when you're not playing with pace, then those errors are, you know, you know, enhanced or heightened because A, you didn't make the play quick enough and B, you're not, you don't have the legs to get back on the back pressure to chase, chase the puck and get it right back. So, and in terms of Rick Bonus, I mean, he was quite frank in saying that, you know, can they be better? Have they been better? Will they be better? Yes, 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 and yes. So um, I liked it. I mean, I think this is, you know, it's also interesting. I mean, I wrote in my column for sportsit.ca yesterday, guys, that, I mean, when a team establishes such a high standard and when you don't play to that standard, it becomes quite obvious, right? I mean, in terms of the, the identity pieces, the confidence, the Josh Morrissey's words, the swagger, right? So they haven't been playing with that swagger since the game in Pittsburgh, which was their best game of the year. And yes, that was in this 10-game block. So it hasn't all been bad by any stretch. There just have been some loose periods. 
And the, I think the thing that people have been the most confused about, guys, and I know you are among this group, the Jets have been getting healthier, so we just expected them to, like, skyrocket their play, right? Yes, there was going to be a four or five game block where these guys were integrated back into the lineup. But after that, well, hey, you've been scoring with waiver wire claims and AHL call-ups in the lineup. You know, now you're going to start scoring like one of the top five teams in the NHL. And and that is the issue. I wouldn't say that it's troubling to me, but that's the part about this block that has caught my attention. I mean, five out of seven, two goals or fewer is not what we expected based on the impact guys like Nikolai Ehlers are having. And Ehlers has been flying around since he's been back, but it hasn't translated into the overall offensive juggernaut that we were expecting. Because, I mean, for 40-plus games, the Jets were more of a defensive juggernaut. And yes, of course, we know they still are reliant on Connor Hellebuck and the high danger chances are too high. They're just not as high as they were previously. So I think it's super interesting uh, to see how how things go in these last two before the break and then after the break because let's face it we know it they know it everybody knows it goals are harder to come by in the second half in the final 30 and then the final 20 and then the final 10 then the final five and then oh by the way when the playoffs start it's even <laughs> harder to score so I think that there's still plenty of runway for the Jets to get their offensive uh, game in order but it has to not come at the expense of all of the work you've worked and your commitment to defensive zone structure, which has also been a little bit leaky lately. So you have a bunch of things kind of coming together at the same time. And can you get all of those you know, check marks in all of those boxes without cheating the game in one of the areas in order to get to that point? So that's the challenge for Rick Bonus and the players. And I think they're, you know, they're welcoming that challenge with open arms. But I mean, it is going to be something that we're definitely going to be monitoring closely here in the in the in the last 32 games. Yeah, and you know, Kenny, you mentioned you know five of the last seven games the Jets have scored two goals or less, and and that's what I wanted to ask you. I caught you on Winnipeg Sports Talk yesterday with with Huss and, and Remo, and Huss was asking you about the, the forward lines, and you had mentioned that you believe Shifley Wheeler Ehlers stays together, Connor Dubois Perfetti stays together and and to me that's kind of you know at the core of some of these offensive struggles because yes you want to get offense from guys like Adam Lowry who he will score eventually but he's in a a bad scoring slump he's having a great year but the puck just isn't going in for him right now you would agree I don't think anybody's worried and nobody's expecting a 30 goal season out of uh, big number 17 right but like do you expect again I just you know mentioned what you said yesterday anybody who listened but is there a chance, especially if, you know, the first period is a little bit slow, do you see, you know, Rick Bonus going back and putting Ehlers back with Connor and Dubois? Because that was the most successful that trio has ever been was earlier this season. I just, I feel like, I don't, I don't know if that's necessarily, you know, the, the be-all, end-all, and that's the reason why, you know, the Jets will end up winning these last two games. But it just seems like, you know, there's something a little bit off in that top six. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that they're searching for the perfect chemistry. And I think the big thing for me is is that I don't think they know what the optimal six guys are. I mean, they know what the optimal six players are. They don't know what right. the right permutations and combinations are going to be yet. Because as you mentioned, I mean, yes, that line was flying for a while, but it kind of came at the expense of the second line. So, 
you're not just looking for one line to be carrying the load here. You're looking for a diversification so that it's, you know, Rick Bonus talked about this earlier this week. I mean, how are the opposition coaches trying to attack things when you have, you know, kind of dynamic pairs in Connor and Dubois and you have Ehlers and Shifley. So now you have to, you know, who are you putting your prime checking line on and who are you rolling the dice to go head to head with? Because generally speaking, I mean, though, you know, the offensive guys aren't as adept defensively. So you need to have, you know, to be able to stretch out your offensive production. And you're right. I mean, uh, let's face it. Adam Lowry had a fantastic start to the year offensively. It was trending for 15 plus and now is in a, you know, 20, three game drought here so uh the chances have been there adam will get it sorted out he's going to be a 10 to 15 goal guy no no question in my mind and the jets will continue to lean on his line when it comes to the head-to-head matchups that they are taking when they can get them for me yeah i mean i think it's going to be important for ehlers and shifley to um, get some runway together. Uh, we already know that Ehlers can jump on and play on that other line if necessary. I like the fact that Perfetti is there. I know he hasn't played a ton of right wing. Dave, you know that obviously from watching him with the Moose, you know, was mostly center left wing when he was there. But I like him there because he's smart enough to be there and he doesn't have to be there all the time. But I like him there because of his, you know, puck handling ability. And, you know, what we've seen from Cole at times is that he has seen himself primarily as a passer rather than a shooter. And when it's especially evident when he's with Shifley and Wheeler, at least it has been to me, uh, where he's been a little bit more deferring to the others. Uh, and you know, Dave, obviously you know this too, and I, I've been saying it for years. We saw that goal against Freddie Anderson when he was down on the conditioning stint with the Marlies. Like, this is a guy that can go bar down. He's got a great release. He has a great shot. And it's only natural that he's going to become more and more comfortable using that shot as he moves along. Um, in terms of Shifley, the reason why I think Ehlers is a good fit there uh, is because of the speed. I think the issue that the Jets were having when Ehlers is up on that top line with Dubois and Connor, uh, yes, Blake Wheeler at times can still play with plenty of speed, but there have been nights where his legs maybe weren't at the grade A level. Um, and that's natural given his age and the and mileage on the odometer, but he's still having a good year. But to me, when you have Ehlers there, you just have that more dynamic speed and it, it forces Shifley to play with more pace also, which is very important for the Jets. Uh, but the one thing too, I mean, they, they do click together and we've seen them click at times, but Nikolai Ehlers, because he is more of an East-West player, Mark has always preferred more of a North-South game. So there is some adaptation that is happening with Mark Shifley when he plays with Ehlers. So some nights when they're thinking in lockstep, it looks absolutely brilliant. And then there are other nights where Mark is expecting him to zig and Nikolai decides to zag. So, I mean, that that's when you get into what we're seeing right now, when it's not just free flowing and it's happening, you know, it's resulting in a five goal night every night. And these guys are making the defense look silly because they're completely, their brains are like working as one essentially. So, like I feel I said, like so, that's happening right now with I.C. No, and Kenny sure. Wee, by the way. We're all, all of our brains are just combined right now, and it's just a superhuman brain. Well, that's, that's good. Episode, except it's the episode of The Simpsons where Hans Moleman has kids, and they all just run into each other and fall out the window. That's the only difference. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's super interesting because, I mean, here's the other part of it, guys. We and I know we're going to be going here eventually, but, I mean, so you're going to be spending this block – um, of time trying to get the optimal lineup 
And then in all likelihood, they'll be bringing in a top six forward and maybe even a middle six or fourth line forward. So, um, you know, you have the, you're getting the, it's like the chemistry assignments. You got a lot of beakers being, you know, pouring what's the right formula. And then all of a sudden someone's going to come in with a hammer and smash a couple of the beakers and say, you can start again now. <laughs> and I'm, I'm being facetious. Obviously we know that you know, you'll already have a baseline, but you'll be now integrating a couple of, you know, a, another body or two uh, up front and maybe potentially uh, someone on the back end as well. So, and, and never mind. I mean, with Appleton on the, you know, on the verge of coming back after the break. And, you know, I would say, even though there was a setback for David Gustafson, he has to be a guy that's in the mix to come back after the break. I mean, we know that the coaching staff values Carson Kuhlman or else he wouldn't be playing, you know, he wouldn't have got the top six minutes and he also wouldn't be getting the third line minutes that we believe will be reserved for Mason Appleton when he returns. So I don't know. I mean, I don't see Carson Kuhlman going back on waivers, but I could see him being the 13th forward depending on how these other guys play. Now, what that means for Sam Gagne, I have no idea. And we also know that if their Jets are going to make trades for, you know, whether it's two or three players, mm-hmm. it's not only going to be prospects that are going on the move. There are going to have to be roster players um, that are on the way out. And I mean, yes, I know I am the captain of the Gus bus. Um, I just don't see, and, and Dave, I'm sure you agree, the Jets have invested so much into his development. I don't see a scenario where he is placed on waivers. So even though Kevin Stenland has, yes, passed him on the depth chart right now, I don't see the Jets, you know, putting him on waivers because there's probably a team that is, would be claiming him knowing that the pro, you know, yes, he remains a project, but this is a project with a lot of really important qualities that are yeah. NHL ready. Yes, and Gus offense... can play wing, right? Because we, we well, saw that when can, Stenland yeah. was playing wing and, and Stenland was moved up the middle, right, Kenny? So For sure, I agree right? with you. I, so, I think at the very least, he's going to be your extra forward, but I think he'll probably end up back in the fourth line. But then too, like looking deeper, uh, you know, so you know, can naturally you think, well, what about Kyle Capobianco? I mean, they've got lots of depth on defense. Well, well, how much of that defense of depth do they have after the trade deadline? I mean, <laughs> who is being moved out there? And if you have to move out one or two of those guys, now all of a sudden you are very, you know, you've already lost Johnny Johnny Kovacevic. Are you nervous about you know putting? Capabianco on waivers and being claimed. And then all of a sudden one of, or two of Chisholm, Sandberg, Hanela, you know, one of those guys. Right. And what if those guys are involved in a trade, you know? So um, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of, you know, bouncing balls here. Uh, who, which ones are you following and which ones are you valuing over the other? I mean, there's a lot of important decisions on the horizon and we understand guys. I mean, all teams have players on the periphery of the roster that they have depth players and those depth players occasionally are claimed. We understand that, but you have to put yourself in a position where you're not hampering your depth while you're also augmenting your roster. So, I mean, that's, what's been really interesting and I know some of the chatters are saying, we'll just wave everyone. Well, hey, <laughs> I got I got plenty of notes and I'm sure you guys did also. Oh, Mike, 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 Mikey or Michael as- Asimont. <laughs> oh, we'll never be claimed. Why would he be claimed? Oh, guess what? Then he was claimed, you know. Have you seen that San Jose Sharks roster? <laughs> well, again, and too, so, so this is the thing for me, guys. I mean, 
Michael Esamont or Asamont was not brought in to be a high impact goal scorer. But here's the thing. Even if you're tanking openly or not openly, according to the commissioner. <laughs> Teams but, don't tank, apparently, despite well, everything we see. Also, seen. everybody loves that digital advertising, too. <laughs> and Asamont is perfect for the Sharks yeah, because he's got a motor that's running nonstop. So it's okay to be bad, but don't be bad and not try. So this is right. why a scout looked and said, this guy's going as hard as he can, as long as he can, every single game. Yeah. So is he going to be a 20-goal scorer? Absolutely not. Can he be a 5-10 to 10 goal scorer on the fourth line and give you some offense on your second power play? Can he play with skilled players? Oh, like he did with Kyle Connor and Pierre-Luc Dubois for a small sample. Y- yes, mm. he can. So um, bad that's why, too. I mean, Bad to- teams need to pay NHL salaries, too. But it's to me, it's more about the worker bee mentality, right? Sure. So Mike Breer, Greer is thinking, hey, you know what you don't want to have? Guys who aren't are, are checked out and guys who are not giving effort all of the time, right? So that to me was why it was such a good fit. And I mean, too, so Axel Janssen Fialbi, I mean, so he's better at several things than Asimont. No doubt he's faster. Uh, you know, he's maybe a little bit more disruptive on the forecheck and he's a better, better penalty killer, but by no means does he have better offensive instincts or better finishing ability. So what are you valuing and what role are you wanting these players to fill? Mm-hmm. Now mm-hmm. that is the, going to be the decision for Kevin Cheveldayoff and the coaching staff and everyone else as they huddle up. We know they had their pro meetings. They had their amateur meetings. These are the types of discussions that would have been happening. And it's funny. So we're talking about Sam Gagne and we're talking about offense not being there. Well, Sam Gagne has got eight goals for the Jets. So does that mean you give Sam Gagne a game maybe either tonight or tomorrow against the Blues or a Monday against the Blues? Now we got them playing on all the nights, Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday, <laughs> Drew. Look at what you, you, I thought our your, minds your were in lockstep. Ezzy, Ezzy, I thought you said our brains were working together here. My brain shut off there for a second, Kenny. <laughs> I know what short, you're going to be doing on Sunday, Kenny, and it's going to be watching the, the two champions, the conference championship. No, game. it'll be, what are you talking about? He'll be celebrating dancing Gabe's 60th birthday with me at the Moose That's game. True. Nice That's try, true. Drew. Gabe, yeah, Gabe, it's a big weekend for Gabe, no doubt. So anyways, I, I think that this is such an interesting time for the Jets. And again, we know what the top six looks like. We know what probably two thirds of the checking line looks like. And, you know, Morgan Barron has played well mm-hmm. in that role also. You know, do I put him in, you know, permanent marker there? Do I have him in pen? Do I have him in pencil? I'm not 100% sure yet. But Morgan Barron's also a guy that if there's an injury or if you're protecting a lead, maybe you're moving him up in the lineup also. Um, yeah, I mean, and then too, so Menelainen, I think, you know, some people are down on him. Oh, he doesn't score a lot either. And, you know, he had a bad turnover in the other, you know, in one of the games the other night. Um and there too. So it's 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 so interesting, right? So the Jets have worked really hard this year. We've been pounding on this drum for five years plus. The yeah. Jets need a fourth line that can play eight to ten minutes. Well, yeah. now mostly they have had that. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the games that line gets two goals and life is glorious. <laughs> yeah, one of them was an empty netter, sure. But it's a hardworking play, you know, and also Stenland wasn't playing on the fourth line when he got it, but fine. So the next night, the Jets only give up two, but both goals come against the fourth line. And, and so the, is you, when you're a coach, like it's one of those things. Uh, Paul Maurice always said, you can't just tread water. So 
Yes, it's still an even wash for those guys. Two on, two against in the two games. But when you give up two in the single game and you lose by one, that's one of those games that makes it awfully difficult for the coaching staff to say, oh man, you know what? I got to lean on those guys more. They do lean on them more. They reward them. And yes, this is going to happen. This happens regularly for all teams. It's just one of those things that, and they were avoidable mistakes. I mean, again, Cody Glass's goal, perfect tip in, you know, Mm -hmm. but, and that night, Stenland, seven of nine in the circle, but the one loss, it goes right to Forsberg. Forsberg gets it back to the point. Yossi shoots it, Glass scores. So a couple things. Stenland loses the draw. Cody Glass is his guy. So I'm not blaming Stenland, but two, two things happen that, you know, don't normally happen. And then he wasn't able to check the guy in front. And sure, it's a perfect tip. B, the winger closest to Forsberg is beaten to the puck that gets back to the point. And then C, the other winger is unable to break through and get into the shot lane. So I'm not blaming Stenland at all. All three forwards in that situation didn't get their job done properly. And I get it. It speaks to the pace problem, though, that they were discussing yesterday. Exactly. And this is not knocking those guys. It happens to first-line players also. But when you're a fourth-line player, you can't afford to have that happen twice in one game, especially when the men aligned in turnover was the one that did not exit the zone. It wasn't a great rim. I understand that also. So everyone shares in that responsibility. But for all the things Rick Bonus has been talking about, the reason why guys like that are replacing Perfetti and Ehlers on the boards trying to win those battles because they're big, strong guys. Those plays have to get made. And again, like that was a complete breakdown also after when the puck was kept in. I mean, that that was also part of it. But that's a those are those are things that you need to minimize because, you know, games are so tight. Like in a game where Sorrow like Hellebuck probably out he outplayed Soros. But Soros won the goalie battle because he only gave up one, right? So um, it's, again, like I said, these are these are things that happen all the time in the NHL. But it's it's part of the process and part of the building process. And then you're looking around saying, oh, man. Like, so when, you know, this is a long-winded way of saying, I'm curious about Sam Gagne. I mean, what is his standing? You know, he got to these 1,000. 1000th game mm-hmm. i'm all for the jets using sam Gagne in a kind of a tampa Corey perry role where you have some uh, you know when you have some load management i think that's smart given the 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 odometer reading on sam Gagne. right but at the same time you can't leave him out too long and then once he when he plays on the fourth line the identity is a little bit different because it's not, you know, he's bringing a different skill set. He's still a very smart and conscientious player defensively, but he gives you an offensive element and he also can help the second power play. But also then they're not as physical and they're not going to be as fast and they're not going to be as disruptive probably on the forecheck. So what do you want from that fourth line? And there too, there's also time and we've seen it on the, you know, when Sam was in, Sometimes he gets put on the third line because he's trying to help give a little bit more of an offensive tilt to Lowry and Barron, who both create plenty of scoring chances, but aren't as natural finishers, right? So Mm -hmm. you have lots of options, but what is your best option? That's what the Jets will be looking for in this next, let's say, let's use a 10-game block here. So I think it's super interesting where the Jets are and where they're trying to get to. 
Saturday morning, you're watching the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. We're live on YouTube. We're live on all of our social media. That was a platforms. good visit to the buffet, by yes. the way, Kenny. The of buffet. all the visits to the buffet, that was maybe top three all time. I'm very hungry, you guys. I'm very hungry. That's why I'm here. I come to eat on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. The buffet is open. Ken Weeb of Kenny and Rennie and Sportsnet.ca is our guest as we're bellying up to it to talk about the Winnipeg Jets. And I could use an Illegal Curve sandwich right now, by the way. We can, <laughs> we can arrange for that to be sent to, to sent your way there. As long as you have enough time for a pre-game nap because you can't you can't uh, chill that down and then expect to be at uh, full strength for the rest of for the rest of your day that's true kenny i love a good vegas buffet like anyone and let me tell you you just clean that place out i'm like i'm thinking through all the questions i have for you and i'm like okay he just talked about that he just talked about that he just talked about that okay hold on that one nope check that one off but there was an area you didn't touch on that i'm curious about and i'd like to get your insight into so Step back up to that buffet. It's been refilled. It's ready to go. You had some crab water. legs are ready. Yeah. This crab this legs like are ready. A man who's had all he, he can, can eat. eat. No, Kenny's water bottle is keeping you hydrated in the chat, and you're keeping yourself hydrated. So we're good in that regard. Giving yourself a little time for a cough. But <laughs> you know the truth is, Ken, and people seem to lose their mind over the third pairing of the Jets. The third pairing of the Jets. But I'm curious. Yep. I'm not going to ask you about the third pairing of the Jets because I'm more curious about your assessment of Neil Pionk right now. There's been a lot of talk about Neil Pionk and the, the, his his game. I was watching a game. He doesn't look like he's 100%. His skating just doesn't look the way it normally is. I'm just curious as to what your assessment of Neil Pionk's game has been this season and, and whether you think he's capable of getting back to the Neil Pionk we saw two years ago. Yeah, his game is is at times chaotic um, in both ends. Uh, in in a good way on the offensive end, he's been able to generate plenty of offense, and that is important. Uh, but right now, I would say Neil finds himself. He is the defensive version of Shifley Connor Wheeler two years ago. Are you giving up more than you're getting? And right now, it feels like even though he has been having an offensively gifted season, the play in his own end is not at the level that we had been used to seeing when he was. And I often like to remind folks, whether it's in the chat room or on the old socials, we're basically two years removed from Neil Pionk being the best Jets defenseman. Like two seasons ago, that was the case. In his first season after the trade, he was also very good. But he hasn't been good as good defensively, right? I mean, that's a fact. I mean, there you know you can use the eye test, you can use whatever metrics you use, you can use underlying numbers, you can use boxcar stats. Right now, Neil Pionk is his reads have not been as quick or sharp. Uh, his coverage has not been as sound as we have seen in the past, and. At times, he has not been as physical, which leads credence to you know what you mentioned, Dave, and I, I think I've written it a few times. I mean, Neil is a what we what do we talk about in his early years, and even you know especially during the North Division year, where he was so good against Connor McDavid at times. He's a he has the junkyard dog mentality. He is a physical force, but do you know what you can't do when you're not as mobile, guys? You can't get to the place that you need to get to in order to make the hit or the seal or the pin along the boards. And to me, we know last year it was a broken foot for Neil Pionk. This year, I've been having trouble 
determining what the injury is. Is it a soft tissue? Is it a groin issue? Is it a knee issue? Is it an ankle issue? I, I don't know, but I do know a couple things that I see. I don't see the mobility and I don't see him. This is the thing that's very odd. And for some folks who maybe haven't been noticing it, watch how little Neil Pionk is skating backwards in a game through the neutral zone and in the defensive zone. He's often pivoting not to chase, but to angle on his angles. What you see from Josh Morrissey, he's what he's defending is always skating backwards, but he's also the fastest skating player. So for me, Pionk was a guy who had mobility. And right now I don't see that same level of mobility. There are times when he looks like he's feeling better than others and he's moving well. I think he had a stretch of games where he looked like he was putting all that behind him. And then he had another stretch of games where it looked like he wasn't moving the same way. And, you know, this is very simple. This is not a dump on Neil Pionk. The Jets defense core as a whole has been better this year, but everyone has probably taken a turn where they, with the exception of Morrissey, I think, I don't think he's really had a bad game this year, at least in my humble opinion. So everyone has had an issue or two during the course of the game. Mistakes are going to happen, especially at the NHL level. Like there are players that can make you look bad on Wednesday night hockey. So of course they can make you look bad in the NHL. Uh, but I do think the thing with Pionk that people forget, like this guy gives effort all of the time. And for those folks in the chat room saying, well, why not sit him down and give him a rest? I don't have the answer to that. I can only assume that the Jets believe that during the 10-day break, that will give Pionk enough time to get his body you know, healed or maybe you can't do any more damage to it because if if resting Pionk is going to help give you the best version of Pionk, then I think they would have already done that. Like the Jets aren't just saying, hey, we don't have any other options here. We need Neil Pionk to power through because we know Pionk is going to power through because he did last year after he broke his foot on a shot from Jamie Benn. That's not the issue. No one's questioning his mentality or his you know ability. But right now, he's not playing at a $6 million level. So... The thing here that has been tough for the Jets in this stretch of years, years, and I use the word years intentionally, if the Jets can get Neil Pionk's A game at the same time they have Josh Morrissey's A game, so you had two great years of Pionk, and you had now you're in the second great year of Morrissey, but they need to get those things to align and happen at the same time. And if that happens, guys, now, all of a sudden, all the calls for a top four defenseman in the, at the trade deadline are not necessary because Neil Pionk is the guy the Jets committed to on a contract. You know, they essentially chose Neil Pionk over Andrew Kopp when it came to their prioritizing on a longer term deal. They were banking on the first two years of Pionk being the new normal for him. There has been some regression in the last two years. We know last year. It was related to injury this year. I think it's related to injury, but I can't say for sure because no one has said it's been related to injury. Um, but Rick Bonus was asked about it this week, and his answer was he thought if Neil was taking more of an offensive mentality, it would help his defensive game. To me, that was a little bit of a bait and switch to me. I think it's maybe look over. <laughs> no, no, no. Don't don't worry about there. Look over here. Yeah. And I think there was some protection of his player there. And that's what coaches do. That's what good coaches do. But he also wasn't disputing the claim that he needed to be better. 
because he also said at the end of it, if he does that, he won't be put in so many, he didn't use the word, I'll use the word adverse because I don't remember the actual word that he used. He won't be putting himself in as many predicaments. Sorry, that's the term that he used. If he does this better offensively, he's not going to be putting himself in as many predicaments defensively. So I think the Jets are, are acutely aware that Neil is not playing at that same level, but they're not, you know, they're not obviously blaming Pionk for any of that. But Pionk also, like I said, he gives, his effort has never been in question. And like I said, there have been times, sorry, Dave, I know you said a long time ago, do I think he can get back to that level? I do, as long as he gets healthy during this 10-day break. And I don't think it will take that long to figure out if he is at a higher level or if his pace is at a higher level or any of those other things. But to me, the thing with Pionk, when he's playing well, he uses that, like I said, junkyard dog or pit bull mentality, where you notice him all over the ice. I've shared this theory with you guys before. This is not just a 20-game block. This is close to a 100-game block that goes back to December 5th, the game against the Toronto Maple Leafs. He gets the suspension for the knee-on-knee on Rasmus Sandin. Then he gets a knee to the head from Jason Spezza. Two yeah. things happen. First suspension of his career and first NHL concussion. But he did tell us all that wasn't his first concussion. So it's natural to be a little bit, I wouldn't use the word tentative, but less assertive after you've had an injury like that and you've been suspended because you are such a reactionary and instinctual player when it comes to the physical side of the game. And now all of a sudden, when your instinct was to accidentally stick out your leg and someone got hurt and hurt their knee and you're suspended, but now you only sit out your suspension because you have a concussion, you got a lot of things going on in your head and not all of them lead to, you know what I'd love to do? I'd love to play a physical game right now and hammer the next guy that I see. And then compounding the problem was that he got hurt shortly after he returned and then couldn't deliver the type of hits that we've been used to seeing. So uh, I'm very curious. And, and Dave, quite frankly, it might be the most, uh, we've been, we're talking about the, what's the optimal top six. If Neil, P, whether or not Neil Pion can find his A game, mm-hmm. that might be the most important question between now and March 3rd for the Winnipeg Jets because of how wide open the West is. And because this is a great opportunity for the Winnipeg Jets to take a run, but they need Neil Pionk to be their second best defenseman during the last 32 games. And I don't think there is anyone that can argue with that, whether that's a coach or a player, a fan or anything. If the Jets want to win four rounds, guys, Neil Pionk has to be their second or at worst third best defenseman. Uh, hold on, I, hold on, when, Drew. I just want to say, I'm not going to say that Kenny went on for a while, but he started his question. The sun was on the right side of his head. Oh, man. Yeah, <laughs> I got a question. The, do you want me to close those left? blinds here? Do no, I need no, to go no, over and good. close the blinds? All you're good. fine. You're fine. <laughs> Speaking of March 3rd, Kenny, it's five weeks away, give or take. Uh, probably, I guess five weeks less a day almost, uh, given that yep. it's, for whatever reason, the trade deadline is now on a Friday this year, which is odd to me. But It's great for us, Drew. 
I don't have a problem. I agree. I'm just saying it's odd. I don't know. <laughs> you'll have a lot of uh, you'll have a lot of buffet material for the yes. Saturday morning we and for the Friday. I'm sure you're doing a Friday show also. I'm sure we will as well. There's no question. But in any event, I think actually the Jets play that Friday. Say, I'm not yeah, sure they're, in Edmonton. they're in Edmonton. Yeah. That's the Edmonton back to back. It's going to be Friday, like a 24 hour live stream, boys. 24 hour live stream. Yeah. Just keep rolling. Keep That's rolling. Kenny, Kenny, according to Drew, <laughs> the game's actually on Saturday night. Not Friday. <laughs> and the we'll deadline might be on Sunday. The deadline might be on Sunday. They're actually playing in Edmonton Saturday at noon and they come and play in Winnipeg at six o'clock. It's a real weird scheduling that day. Speaking yeah. of March 3rd, we talked about the need for, for I think, uh, upgrade to the forwards. In your mind, Kenny, or if you were you know, circling a team or circling a player or two, who do you think the Jets have, a, have an eye on? As I think Kenny's fiddling with uh, his microphones right now. I don't know if you heard me. We can't we can hear, hear you. There you go. He's back. I think you're coming through two speakers or something. You can, I can see the puzzled look on your face. Sorry, back. We're, uh, uh, yes. There sorry, we go. The I have no problem with having Kenny on the PA system. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Uh, you know, I just, I'm going to, I see, I see your technical difficulties and I raise them as I try. Okay. Sorry. My, my battery was looking and then I unplugged the wrong, uh, you know, ah, the wrong cord naturally. Uh, for me, I'm super curious on which, um, you know, which mode of transportation the Jets will be taking for the trade deadline. Will they be going, will they be using the Colorado Avalanche slash Tampa Bay Lightning model where you go with uh, not necessarily the biggest game hunting piece? Mm -hmm. So for me, let's use the examples here. So last year, the Colorado Avalanche got Josh Manson to bolster their top four on the back end. They needed some stiffness to their, you know, to add to your Samuel Gerrards, your Kale McCars, mm -hmm. uh, guys like that. Or, you know, they also got up front, they got Arturi Lekin. They didn't go out and get, okay, so the rumor was they were interested in Giroux. Do you know what they did do? They went out and got a guy, you know, the, the Avalanche had plenty of offense. So you know what they went out and got? Checking. And a checking line player who could score important goals. And, oh, there was Arturi Lekkinen in the conference final, delivering the game winner for the second year in a row. And Jets fans are quite familiar with the previous year where he <laughs> delivered to get himself, his team to the conference final. Right. So they got Lekkinen. They also got An Andrew Cogliano, a fourth-line checker who could play on the third line and was also on their top penalty-killing unit. They also got Nico Sturm a little bit earlier, but I mean, he was a little bit more of an early, I, I think he was picked up a little bit earlier uh, in, a, in a move for Tyson Jost. So I don't know if that was necessarily, we would call that a deadline move. It was same thing. They were looking for a bigger, stronger guy who could play on the fourth line, come in at center, play wing, in and out of the lineup. So they went with the more, you know, I wouldn't just say, it wasn't just bigger P, like uh, parts they didn't need more parts they went for specific roles right. because they knew what their team was great at they needed a new carburetor they went and got a new carburetor rather exactly. than a brand new engine exactly and, and for the lightning the lightning go out and get nick paul right so what was happening with the lightning last year their team was looking great plenty of offense you got vasilevsky in net you have a very good defense core so you're looking for a, a third line that is similar to the third lines that helped you win two consecutive Stanley Cups. And that third line included Yanni Gord, Blake Coleman, and Barkley Goodrow, all three of which were gone either in trade or free agency or in the expansion draft. Sorry, two went in free agency, one went in expansion. There were no trades involved. Mm -hmm. So 
they went and addressed a specific need there. They also got Brandon Hagel, who played on a checking line last year, but now plays on the top line with Nikita Kucherov and has been a point of game player. The biggest thing with Brandon Hagel, guys, even though people were raising their eyebrows at the time, he brought cost certainty because he was on a lower valued contract for, I think, a three, a four year span. Right. So why did they give up that, you know, high draft picks to get Brandon Hagel, who was a 20 goal guy with the Chicago Blackhawks? Because they have a bunch of guys making between eight and $10 million and they need somebody making around $2 million that can be very productive and aligns with their Stanley Cup winning window, right? So do the Jets go with that mode, right? Do you go with Timo Meyer? Do you go with Bo Horvat? Or do you need more of the Ivan Barbashev, a guy that gives you physical nature and offense and won a Stanley Cup? Can you get Ryan O'Reilly? Ryan O'Reilly to me is super interesting on a number of levels. You know, did a little bit of training with Mark Shifley during the lockout. We know he is a gamer. He is the, I mean, yes, Jordan Binnington played well at the start of the series, but to me, Ryan O'Reilly is the reason that series went six games, right? I mean, Ryan O'Reilly, he's the reason that he was the Conn Smythe winner, but last year against Colorado in the second round, in a, in a series where St. Louis probably doesn't have, you know, we know how good Colorado was. Mm -hmm. Ryan O'Reilly did a great job against McKinnon. I mean, I don't think he was on the ice for the end to end roof job, but again, he was great in that series. Same way Ryan O'Reilly lived in Mark Shifley's pocket in 2019. You know the reason why Mark Schleife didn't produce the same way he did the previous year when the Jets won the conference final? He had to play against Ryan O'Reilly for six <laughs> games. It didn't work out very well at the time. So uh, O'Reilly is interesting to me. And when it comes to the defense, uh, there's a bunch of uh, Sorry, I'm going to have to share this too with you guys. I mean, on Kenny and Rennie the other night after the game, John Bartlett was on with us. He used John Gabriel Pajot as an example of a guy who might be an exceptional fit for the Jets, you know, He's not going to replace Lowry, but he would be able to play center, be able to play wing. If you wanted to put Lowry on the wing, you could. He got a right-handed face-off guy. He has played in big games before, and he gives you some offense, and he can check the lights out. So maybe he is this year's version of Arturi Lekkanen. You have a 30-year-old player. I believe he has for sure two more years left after this one, might be three, at five and and a half. So it's a reasonable salary number. And then it gives you a little bit of backfill also. And I get it. I mean, we know Pierre-Luc Dubois has been in the news a lot and people, you know, think that he could be gone as early as this summer. We don't know that just yet, but you need some insurance. So if you're going to get Bo Horvat insurance or you're going to get Pajot as insurance, not, they didn't, obviously different roles and different styles of players, but those are the things you have to be looking at if you're the Winnipeg Jets. And hang on I a second. I look like I'm. I got to close the blinds here. This is crazy. <laughs> I was going to say we haven't seen a disparity in, in in the in the color on Ken's head since he returns from the Manitoba golf tour every summer, and you know he's got that sunburn look when he gets inside for the first uh, for the first day of training camp. We have a potential uh, new nickname for Kenny here: the Shadow. The Shadow. Oh, I could I could deal with that. I was looking like an alien there. I couldn't handle it anymore. It was. <laughs> you didn't. I said, Ken, we haven't seen a disparity in your head colors since you returned from the Manitoba Golf Tour every summer. Fair, fair, fair. well played. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it's. I mean, 
it really is a fascinating trade deadline and we got to let you go here ken in, no, in a couple fine. minutes Whatever you but need. you know you look at it i mean there's so many teams or you know the west is so wide open there's no there's no great team in the west colorado i mean isn't the same colorado that we saw last year at least they haven't been so far this year and yep. then you get you factor in all the teams despite what bethman would say that are tanking because they're and they want to tank earlier so that they can get better you know better odds to winning the bedard sweepstakes so to me it wouldn't surprise me if the trade activity picks up sooner rather than later and maybe it's a bit busier before the deadline i know all the teams usually in the gm's deadline hunt and wait for that last day but it wouldn't surprise me if you start seeing things picking up a little bit sooner than you would say in a uh you know compared to maybe last well, year or the canucks or as kenny would agree with the, the canucks are a ticking time bomb right now right like everybody's just sir i think a lot of teams are just circling the canucks right now kenny right so i don't think anybody would be surprised if they start moving players in the next couple of weeks yeah the problem for me drew is the same it's not a problem with your assertion we always expect this <laughs> will once. be you know what this is going to be the year the trades start happening a month in advance right. And then we're waiting patiently until the days before. And, and the reason for that, and I think one of the reasons why the Jets don't have to be that team, even though, the, yes, there are some benefits to accruing salary cap space on a daily basis to extend your space, because they're not an LTIR for the first time in a couple of years here, mm-hmm. is that I think the last count, it was 17 teams in LTIR. And they they have to wait, or they, I mean, I guess, or they they don't have to wait, but their problem, pardon me, guys, their problem. My face coming back up, folks. Yeah, apparently. Sorry, <laughs> I don't know what happened there. Um, uh, you okay? Issue, yeah, I think so. I think don't you don't have to call nine one one here. I don't think. Um, we'll just dial nine one and then wait to press the last one. <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. I'm totally fine. <laughs> Sorry. Um, th- those teams can't afford the bigger tickets. So the reason why they have to wait is because most other teams don't want to, you know, withhold the 50% salary, right? So everyone's saying, oh yeah, well the, the, you know, with the, and even too, the one this week that got my attention, oh, well the Leafs are in on Timo Meyer. Well, how, <laughs> how are the Leafs going to be in on a guy who will carry a $10 million QO next year. I mean, even if they're in, even if they're in LTIR, I just don't see how the, I mean, maybe if there's some retention, like I know his salary's lower this year, but to me, that was- Toronto would be the last team, Kenny, that you would think of with Timo Meyer, like at least like the- You know what, the Leafs need another, they need a fifth player who makes between eight and $12 million up front as a forward. No, I mean, I get it, but, and it's things that we want to want to be talking about, but- so anyways, the long-winded way of saying that a lot of teams have trouble squeeze, A, squeezing in players and have any room in this, when it comes to salary, and B, they need to wait as long as possible, probably because they want the prices to go down. So Drew, I agree with the premise completely, and that's why maybe the Jets are in a little bit more of a beneficial situation. Right. Because they're you know projected to have you know over 10 million and maybe 11, and you know by the time that... Uh, Appleton is activated and they reduce another salary. Those numbers are going up provided there are not a lot of injuries left because the Jets also ran with a roster of 29 players and had nobody in LTIR, which impacted their ceiling, right? I mean, so they were carrying more salary and it sort of inhibited what they could do in terms of the longer term thing, but now they're kind of back on track. Um, So anyways, I I know that... 
I hate to do I, this to you, my friend. No, I'm clipped. It's okay. We got to go. The buffet is closed. <laughs> <laughs> go out, go out and go. improve the team. The, the, there you uh, go. The you know what? When you, I see that, you what, print that on a laser jet printer, Drew, like, I want to Drew, know when I see that from. sign, I, I run with my plate and I, <laughs> the security bill. guard, yeah, the security person, Dave talked about <laughs> Vegas. You know, there's somebody chasing you around, but I've got one more plate to, to get sir, to. Sir, please leave the trays. <laughs> Don't <laughs> take the tray to the table, sir. <laughs> like, Mr. Weeb, Mr. Weeb, Mr. Weeb, we know you paid for the breakfast buffet, but it's time for the lunch buffet and uh, you got to go. Yeah, Kenny, exactly. thank you. Appreciate it, boys. It was a lot of fun, and uh, yeah, we'll have we'll have another talk before, maybe after the deadline, or maybe yeah. before. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, appreciate Kenny, you being together, be, and don't forget elite. Monday. The game is Monday. Monday. Let me write it down. Monday. Yes, I got Illegal it. And also, don't Kenny. forget about Kenny and Rennie post game after tonight's game between the Jets and Flyers. After we do our thing, Kenny and Rennie do their thing, and we all do it in the copacetic uh, kumbaya <laughs> manner, as per always. Have a tremendous weekend, boys. Always great to be with you. Thanks, you too, Kenny. Take care. There he goes. Let's go to break. It's the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. We're live this Saturday morning. Keeping Winnipeg laughing for over 30 years. Rumors, Canada's longest-running comedy club, bringing you the biggest laughs from the best comedians on the planet. Jerry Seinfeld, Chris Rock, John Stewart, Dennis Miller, Brad Garrett, the greats, and all the up-and-comers, too. When was the last time you laughed out loud? Make it a great night out with friends or book your office or birthday party. Even a fundraising event at Rumors. Get all the details and dates on upcoming shows at RumorsComedyClub.com. Hi, Ez. A strange question for you. But why are you lying on the ground being crushed by a piano? Well, Drew, I definitely tried to carry this baby grand piano down the stairs by myself, and somehow I failed miserably. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. That was a silly question on my part. My apologies. Would you like me to call Rolly's Transfer Moving and Storage to help you move the piano? They are the most experienced piano moving company in Winnipeg, after all. Yes, please call Rollies and hurry. This piano is very, very heavy. Rollies Transfer Moving and Storage offers stress-free residential moving services while taking great care of your personal belongings, including your piano. At Rollies, no job is too big or too small. For more information, visit Rollies.com. Hi, it's Drew from Illegal Curve here. Selling your home can be stressful, but it wasn't for me. Thanks to my friends at Zapia Group Realty, they made the process so easy. My home sold within 48 hours and with multiple offers. Zapia Group Realty took care of everything with their exquisite customer service and attention to detail. If you want to sell your home for more in less time, get started by talking to Frank and Mauro Zapia of Zapia Group Realty. Online at zapiagroup.com. Hey, Drew. Ezzy, whoa, what a smile. Yeah, I got my crowns done at Linden Market Dental Center, and they whiten my teeth. I see. They're so bright that every time I smile, they go, We have hockey tonight. Do you have a mouth guard to protect those pearly whites? I sure do. Whoa, they even ting through the mouth guard. Linden Market Dental Center covers all your dental needs, from restorative to cosmetic dentistry, and will fit you with a sports guard for that active lifestyle. 877 Waverly. See LindenMarketDental.com. So you're a pizza person, you married a wing person, 
but somehow your kids are salad people. You can't pick your fam, but you can pick your BP meal deal. Starting from $18.99 for takeout or delivery at bostonpizza.com. Welcome back. It's the Illegal Curve Hockey Show this Saturday morning. We're live on our YouTube channel. We're live on all of our social media platforms. Is it's gonna suck eating? next time. I, it's gonna suck next time in, I'm in Vegas and they go, Mr. Manuk, sorry, there's nothing left in the buffet. Mr. Weeb was here before you. <laughs> well, D- Dave, you can walk around. I can lend you this if you want. You can just walk around with your buffet. No, because then they'll close. No, use buffet in Polo Park uh, Mall. No, this is from the computer and print that I'm talking to you on, and the printer that's next to me. Sure, are you? A, I have a question. Wow. Are you a, are you a, a printer? Com- wow, someone's doing well. I know. Are you, a, are you a prop comic? I am a prop comic. Just call me Gallagher. Apparently, I'm going to smash Seriously. a watermelon later on. But oh, uh, by the way, Drew, no. I, I sent you a. I had you a, a page. Did you? Uh, did you get it? I don't, I'm a little I don't technology. Get well, as he just made fun of you for having a printer, so I'm talking about your pager. Oh, you're talking about my pager. Oh, I get it now. Yeah, that wasn't well, it's not funny. really it's not really great. It's not really great when you're looking sitting there with a blank look on your face. Well, I didn't get the joke. I mean it was just well, you know, talking about your rotary dial phone. Thank you, Ezzy. Okay, now well now you're at least getting in now. Now he's supporting you a little bit. Before that, I didn't know what the hell you well, were. Well, you know, the about problem was Ezzy normally would have jumped in quicker, but he's still chewing, uh, he's still masticating yeah, his uh his granola Why? bar. Mm, nice little which, strawberry nutrigrain bar. Yeah, Which, for the record, is, is is fifty percent in his mouth and fifty percent on my floor. Nutrigrain bars are like one of those things that, like, if I have those in my house, like, they'll be gone. Like, I bought them yesterday. I've already had like five. You know, they're for they're for your kids, right? Like, primarily the reason. No, that they don't really like. No, I get granola bars for my kids. I I eat the Nutrigrain bars. They don't really like them as much. Just for the record, and you know that just because it has the word Nutra in it, it doesn't mean it's healthy. I just want to make sure that you're clear on that. Like the time that we we had to explain to you that uh, craft dinner that you bought at 7-Eleven was not actually a healthy meal. And ate at 2 in the morning. Yes. We just want to make sure that, you know, you're the dietitian, you know, that you need to consult with us, Dave and I, who are your official dietitians to determine what is and what isn't actually healthy food for you. Yeah, craft dinner is uh, definitely not healthy. and neither. I have the audio of you saying, quote, Craft dinner, it's noodles and cheese. What's wrong with that? I have that clip readily available. And I, I, I mean, the most important thing is my kids love it. And when I give it to them, they eat it. So that's really all I care about at this point. My health is not really important. It's more so about my kids' health. No, that's good. That's important that you acknowledge that at the very least. Anyways, that was a great uh, trip to the buffet with Kenny. It's always a good time getting together with him. Uh, the post-game show later tonight after the Jets and the Philadelphia Flyers uh, around 8.45 p.m. tonight. Ezra Excited to and- come over and watch it with you, Drew. You are not allowed in my house, no matter what you think. But Ezra and yours truly will be here for the post-game show. We're giving Dave M. the night off to uh, do whatever it is Dave M. does on the night off. The deep, dark secrets that uh, we don't need to know about. Uh, but you know, you talk about it. It's sort of you know, we it's we're seventy five minutes into the show, and we really haven't discussed tonight's game at all. The forward lines, you know, we briefly touched on it with, with Kenny in the course of the, of that interview, talking about you know the optimal top six and what well, it looks like. Let's just watch morning skate, Drew. Oh wait, well there is no morning skate today, Dave. So unfortunately, we can't just. Uh, is this the first time ever that. this has happened? It's obviously not, but this has not happened very often. The Jets almost always have a morning skate. They yeah. usually have a morning. skate I mean, obviously, for a other than a back to back. Exactly. Yeah, That's what I was going to say. Yeah. Or an afternoon game. Yes. This is, uh, it is unusual. Uh, you know, for, Murat for said their... that Murat, Murat, I said as he was like, I, it felt like it was the first time. Murat said they sometimes will do this on the road. Obviously, not in a back to back situation, but I, I can't recall where they don't have an availability. Now, I'm not saying them not skating is unusual because right. that's, a, I mean, it's still a little unusual, especially whatever. But uh, I just thought maybe, I mean, I guess maybe Rick Bonus didn't love the pace yesterday and wanted to, uh, you know, save it a little bit today. But 
anyways, I, I, it is definitely right. unusual. And like I said, if in, in to not have the availability, like to wait till three 30 to have the availability that again, that's not unusual when there's no, like when it's an afternoon game or it's early or whatever, yeah. but you know, it is what it is. You know, the pace is obviously what, you know, we started the show with. It's obviously what's going to be, you know, I think people are going to be looking for that to start the game. You know, what are, how are the Jets playing? How are the Jets, uh, you know, skating early in the game? Because that is where they've been lacking and they haven't been crisp and they haven't been executing to the degree that they, you know, need to execute uh, at in order to be the most successful. But I want to, you know, what are you guys expecting for the forward lines tonight? Are you expecting the same, similar to what they were, you know, towards the end of the game? Game against Buffalo, or you think that they're you know that Rick Bonus is going to maybe reconsider everything? You know, not obviously you're not going to see Saku Manalainen and playing you know the top the top six right now. But how do you think the top six is going to look? I guess entering today's game because we really won't know until puck drop. I think Saku Manalainen is going to get elevated to the first line. That's <laughs> that's what I think is going to happen, Drew. No, I mean look at Kenny said that when we had him on, right? Like you yeah. know which players are going to be in the top six. It's just a question of if you're going to move maybe Ehlers onto the line with Connor and Dubois because Kenny nailed it on the head. I mean, the pairs are Shifley and Ehlers right now and Connor and Dubois. So it's really a question of, you know, is is Wheeler going to be moved off of that line? Is Ehlers going to be moved off of that line for each other, essentially? I don't think, you know, Dave, we're expecting, you know, Wheeler to be moved down to the third line. I mentioned this, you know, on Thursday night and, and you guys agreed. And I think a lot of people in the chat agreed, like Lowry, Barron and Kuhlman is working for, for right now. And when Mason Appleton comes back, Dave, after the break, maybe Mason Appleton goes back to the third line with Lowry and Barron. Maybe he, you know, starts off on the fourth line and you keep Kuhlman up there. And yes, I mean, Kuhlman is not a natural goal scorer, but you look at how he plays. I think he's a good complement to Lowry and Barron, right? Kuhlman works his buns off. You know, he gets in the corner, digs up pucks, and, you know, he can chip in the odd, you know, goal or two, but nobody's going to confuse him with Kyle Connor. That's for sure. So I like Kuhlman right now on that third line with Lowry and Barron. If anything, you know, maybe you bring in Sam Gagne into the lineup. And I don't know who comes out of the lineup because, you know, I've liked Axel Janssen Fialbi on that fourth line. You know, does Manalainen come out of the lineup? I'm, I'm not sure. I wouldn't expect anything major, Drew. But going forward, the last, you know, 30 or so games of the season, I still personally like Ehlers, Dubois, Connor simply because, you know, forget the whole, you know, every team has to have a, a super line or, you know, some people don't like the idea of super lines and they like the idea of spreading the wealth a little bit. But how dominant was that line? And and Shifley Wheeler and, and um, pardon me, Perfetti Shifley Wheeler, that was a really good line earlier in the season. So again, you know, I would go back to that. But again, I don't know if we'll see that tonight. I, I agree with what Kenny's saying. Ehlers with Shifley gives you more speed on that line, right? So that's clearly, you know, the obvious why you would keep you know, Ehler, Shifley, and Wheeler together, but it didn't, it hasn't been working. It, it wasn't really working at points on the road trip. It certainly wasn't working a couple nights ago against Buffalo. So that would be what I would expect, Drew. I don't, I think Logan Stanley, you know, Kenny was agreeing, and especially Sandberg stayed late after practice on Friday. I would expect no changes on the back end. Maybe Gagne comes into the lineup, and maybe in game you see some movement between, you know, the, the first three lines, but I, I don't think we're going to see maybe as, as many changes as some people would like to see. But that's just my opinion. You know, to me, Dave, and as you referenced it, you know, Dubois, Connor, you know, and Ehlers, the opponents, by and large, didn't have much of an answer for that. So, mm -hmm. you know, why not go back to that, right? You know, when, when things are, 
uh, you know, are, have been a bit of a struggle. To me, yeah. that would be where I would go back to. And I know that, you know, Shafley and Ehler, or Shafley, Wheeler and Perfetti might not have, you know, breakneck speed like like the other line does. But, I mean, right. I, I didn't think that they were bad together. There was certainly some uh, some playmaking ability on display there. That would be how mm-hmm. I would do it. But it doesn't seem to be where Rick Bonus wants to go, which is a bit of a surprise to me. Well, I mean, but if you... Again, I'm just going to re- think back to what Rick Bonus said, and I think I think his his thought was, you know, that line works, mm. and so when it when push comes to shove, and I think the idea is the Jets are, as we've talked about, they're, they they don't have a guaranteed playoff spot, but it lo- looks pretty guaranteed based on how they've banked points in that standings bank, like we like to talk about, and I think what Rick Bonus is trying to find figure out and trying to give some 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 latitude to and some and some runway with is well, how do these lines work. In a, on a long-term basis how can we see the chemistry with these guys in the playoffs when we know we know that you know this combination works optimally and so you'll know that in the playoffs my guess is like as you just said and like you're questioning why you don't go back to it now i think when you need to like i said ahead of the playoffs you want to say okay we can do that but i think right now they're working within the framework of trying to get because we know you're not going to stay healthy we know that you're going to need to be able to be flexible and adaptable. And I think adaptable is the key term because I think you don't want to be heavily reliant on one line for 82 games. And then, you know, first game of the playoffs, you lose your top line right winger and nobody else has any chemistry because they haven't played. You haven't mixed and matched. And I think that is why Rick bonus is not necessarily going back to the, what has worked so well for them right now, because of the idea of just saying, listen, we need to make sure that we've got, a first line and a second line, a 1A and a 1B that work well and are able to intermingle in that way. If you need to get those guys going, you can do it in this way. And just to add to Gagne, the last game that Gagne played was against Toronto. So he's been a healthy scratch the last three games. So I don't know if you guys agree or if you know the people watching right now agree, but I would expect it to probably be Manalainen that comes out. For Gagne, it's probably Janssen Fjellby or Manalainen. and I don't think anybody's expecting Kevin Stenland to come out of the lineup. But just you know, food for thought that Gagne has been a healthy scratch the last three games, and he does provide more offense than Manalainen. So we'll see what happens. Well, you know, what I like about Gagne is that when he comes in, and I mean, yes, he's got a bit of a different skill set than some of those other guys that you just mentioned as possible replacements, but he... I think he's almost got not that he's you know not that he's the conscience of the team because that's probably overstating things too much. But you you know he's got a, he's part a, of the leadership of the team that's for sure. Well, sure, because he's a veteran guy and he's got yeah. the thousand games and everything else, and he's been up and down and he's been through all the battles in this league. But he's got the ability, sort of, just to you know see the forest through the trees if you want to use that analogy. He's not necessarily always locked in the moment. He can sort of take a step back, and I don't mean, you know, take a skating step back, but he can sort of just, you know, recalibrate everything and get everybody sort of onto the same page and and and, and see what he's seeing. He can't perform at the same level that he used to perform at. I mean, we remember that he was, uh, you know, a tremendous offensive talent back in his prime. You know, on some bad and he still teams. chipped in offensively this year as well. Yeah, he's just totally. had stretches where, I mean, look at guys like Gagne can play in the penalty kill. Manalainen can play in the penalty kill. Kenny, Kenny nailed it. I mean, Manalainen gives you the size, a little bit more physicality mm. if you want, right? But at this point, guys, you you haven't gotten enough scoring from – you haven't received enough scoring from, from your bottom six, right? But, and to me, right. like, that, that would make you think that there's a good chance that Gagne comes back into the lineup tonight. 
Well, that's what I'm saying. You know, so you know, for, he he's not going to be able to go through the grind for 82 games a year at this, at, you know, at at, a, at the same level. There's going to be dips just by nature of him getting older. But I think when he can, you know, when he sits for a few games, he can then come back. And generally speaking, when he's come back in the lineup after sitting for a few games, Dave, mm-hmm. he's been able to contribute. He's been able to sort of ha- he has the legs. He's got the fresh legs, and he's able to. He's such a smart hockey player that he's able to take advantage of matchups, you know, because he's going to be matched up against other teams, bottom pairs by and large, or other teams, third or fourth lines, but his intelligence maybe allows him to take advantage of those situations. So I, you know, for a Jets team that is struggling a little bit offensively and yeah. struggling, it's it, it, right now it's a grind and, and there it's a slog and they're sort of stuck in the mud a little bit. I can see him coming back in and being able to sort of pull the team a little bit out of that just by virtue of his intelligence and his and his hockey sense contributing to the bottom of the Jets lineup. Uh yeah, not to not to borrow a basketball phrase, but the whole idea of load management, especially with a guy like, you know, Sam Gagne who has a lot of mileage on the vehicle. So I think I think it's I think it's not a bad thing. I mean, and as he said it, you need goal scoring from your bottom six. And so it's not as if anybody is lighting the lap sufficiently. You're like, well, you can't take them out. And, and and don't get me wrong, as Ken said, and we've talked about, there are guys who play specific roles and who can contribute in ways other than scoring. And that's why, look, we talk about the Jets' penalty kill. It's one of the best penalty kills in the NHL this season. Mm-hmm. So, And a lot of that is coming, obviously, from your fourth line and from your third line guys. So those guys play important roles. But we, we often say you can't survive in the NHL with just two lines that score. Sometimes you can, but generally the, the real... Uh, upper echelon teams have a, a third line that can contribute goal scoring and the jets need that consistently. And we've talked about it as he, how many times have we said, how many, how many partners has Adam Lowry had to play with? And we talk about chemistry. If there's one guy who can lament the idea that he hasn't had the opportunity really to develop chemistry. I mean, obviously Morgan Barron for a stretch, but he had to deal with injury, but is, is Adam Lowry on that third line? And I think for the jets, that's the key is getting that consistency on that third line, but also getting that production from the third line. And then if you get that production from the third line and you have those guys contributing as role players on your PK, and then you have that fourth line, which is, again, occasionally contributing with guys like Sam Gagne and Kevin Stenlin, Axel Janssen, Fielby, you know, whatever it is, David Gustafson, however you kind of intermingle and sprinkle those guys, I think ultimately that's what you need from this Jets team. We've talked about it for years. You can't have a third line that's a checking line and a fourth line that's a checking line. It's not like that in the new NHL. You need a third line that can contribute. Well said, Dave Manuk, the Jets and the Philadelphia Flyers later tonight, six o'clock puck drop post game show right back here on the Illegal Curve YouTube channel right around 8.45 p.m. Central Time, give or take a minute or two when we return anthony san filippo is a longtime friend of this program he's covered the philadelphia flyers oh for uh well certainly over a decade probably closer to two decades at this point in time he's going to join us to talk about the jets opponent tonight the flyers he wrote a really interesting article Ooh. crossingbroad.com Ooh. that lays out it's, the it's hotter than the fire above my head it's hotter than the fire above Dave's head. It really lays out the difficulties and the old boys network that is permeating the Flyers organization and maybe uh, have and, and 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 holds a significant element of the responsibility for the Flyers' uh, recent struggles. And it's time to head back to the buffet, boys. 
Yeah, Anthony will join us next to talk about that. Saturday morning, it's the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. We're live on YouTube. We're live on all of our social media platforms. Bottom of the hour, welcome back to the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Drew Mandel, Dave Manouk, Ezra Ginsberg, and we're pleased to welcome to the program from CrossingBroad.com our very good friend, Anthony San Filippo. And I don't know what is happening at the moment. But... Didn't you, you said I had to look like I was wearing my Sunday best, right? That's true. That's true. I did say you do have to look like you're wearing your Sunday best. So, That's your Sunday best. This is Anthony Incognito, right? <laughs> I went with the mullet and everything else, right? See, you look like a, you look like an Eagles fan more than a, I would say right now. Getting oh, ready you call me an tomorrow. Eagles fan? All right, I got to take all this crap off. <laughs> Love it. You got to be cursing a little bit more as well if you're an Eagles fan. <laughs> not an Eagles fan, that's for sure. So you're not an Eagle. Okay. What, no. What's that sweatshirt? That say Savannah? Savannah. I was just in Savannah, Georgia. For uh, isn't for, it a great for, place for the last eight days? Yeah, it was awesome. I've been there. I think I've been there one, two. I think I've been there three or four times. It's really just such a. You can feel the history in Savannah. Just it, a, a wonderful a, place. It's a cool town, man. It really is. Definitely a cool town. Yes, exactly. The, the so how are you boys doing? Yeah, happy to see you. It's been Good to a see while, you. my friend. I know we've talked, but we've not like actually physically. Well, not we're not yes. really physically seeing each other, but we're seeing each other at least this time. It's not just on the phone, so that's good. That's right. It's nice to see you in person, and we appreciate the the costume that you wore. We would take off our costume, but this is uh, <laughs> tragically just what we look like. Unfortunately, you know, this is this is just the way it is for us. That's right. That's right. Uh, obviously, we brought you on, Anthony. The Jets and the Flyers they meet again uh, tonight. It's the second time in what is that? About a week or so, a little or a little less than a week. The second game in a yep. row. You know, and you wrote a great piece, and we just tweeted this out on our Twitter feed at Illegal Curve. Uh, you wrote a great piece about the Flyers and their current presence uh, stuck in purgatory. Uh, is, is the headline. The Flyers are stuck in purgatory because of decades relying on king making quote network, and it's a well researched, well written you know, strong opinion piece that you wrote for crossingbroad.com. And so obviously I read it uh, and we had to bring you on and the timing is great with the Jets and the Flyers tonight. But, you know, I guess the, the premise of your article and correct me if I'm mistake, if I'm misstating it is that the Flyers are so insular with their leadership team that it's impacting and negatively impacting their performance on the ice and has been for a long while now. Well, uh, yes. I mean, you're mostly correct. So, so basically the reason that I, you know, people are like, well, why did you write that now? You could have written that any time in the last decade and still been just as accurate. Right. <laughs> and, um, and, and the reason is, is that I, I've always kind of been a defender of, Bob Clark and Paul Holmgren as general managers, as vice presidents, as president, whatever title that they've ever had, um, because there was a history of success, maybe not winning a Stanley Cup, but the, the teams were constantly competitive, constantly among the the, the teams that were, were competing for the Stanley Cup. Um, and, and so I was never I, I don't want it to seem like it's it's a it's a way of me like tearing them down individually. The problem here is that the, the Flyers have been stuck in this malaise, for lack of a better word, um, it, really for a decade, with the lone exception being the the lockout, or the, not the lock, the um, pandemic year when they went to the bubble and they actually won a playoff round and went, went seven games in the second round with the Islanders. With that one lone exception, the last decade, this is 
they've been mediocre at best. Um, and it really came to came to a head, you know, with the whole Ivan Provorov situation a um, little over a week ago, I guess a week and a half ago now at this point, uh, when he didn't come out in for warm-ups. Obviously, it's been all over North America, but he didn't come out for warm-ups in the, uh, in the Pride jersey on Pride night. Um, and, 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 the, and the management of the Flyers knew about it a week in advance and chose not to share that information with anybody in the business side, which includes their communications department, nor did they share it with ownership. And it didn't get get to those folks until the media contacted them (laughs) at the game that night. And so they were ill-prepared. And so the rationale for the story to me is, is that it's gotten so bad now that these folks who are in the management type positions are so feel they're so infallible that they would not even include their own people right on a what turned out to be a major international story right and so the reason that they do that is because they feel like they can't be touched and why do you feel that way well you feel that way because you used to have ownership oversight in the form of ed snyder that you no longer have anymore, right? I mean, the ownership of this team, Comcast doesn't really care. The person they have kind of running it, Dave Scott, is hit or miss when he's around. He doesn't like to get involved in these bigger issues. So so since Ed's passing, it has festered. And it's gotten to a point where there's been a lot of infighting, a lot of people pulling for somebody to fail kind of thing, right? But when you have this kind of thing happen... And everybody in that hockey operations department rallies around keeping it a secret until the last possible moment. That tells you it's gone too far. Yeah, and Factions. so that was why that was why the timing of the story was what it was. And I started off really just wanting to, to focus on Clark, uh, Holmgren, Barber, and Lombardi since they are the four senior advisors. But as I started doing it, and I started going through the six degrees of Kevin Bacon kind of thing, right with, with this. <laughs> I couldn't believe at how much bigger it got and it just kept growing and growing and growing that these people were in different cities together and who was with who and they, and they hired this person and they get fired and they come back to Philadelphia and, and it was crazy. Mm-hmm. And that was why I was like, well, the, the, the fans, when they see this, are going to go nuts because this is 1500 words of a 3500 word document is just going to be this list. And it's and it's crazy. So, yeah, I mean, that was the reason I put it together. And that's why I say they're not going to nothing's going to change until they have a different approach because otherwise it's going to be the same thing that it's been for the last well 40 some years right you know for the in edmonton anthony if you want to do you look at a parallel for the longest time the oilers only hired within you know the 1980s oilers boys club is that a right. similar sort of uh a tactic that the, the flyers are using here yeah i mean it, it's not that they always hire within the the boys club of who played for the team, mm-hmm. but it is a very small circle of who makes those decisions. So when you look at it right now, Bob Clark and Paul Holmgren, they are not involved in the day-to-day operation as far as who's uh, going to be in the lineup, who's going to be on the roster, who's being traded, who's being signed as a free agent, who's being drafted. They're not. They're not involved. Are, are they sitting at the draft table? Yeah. Do they get called in for you know to be advisors? Yeah. But they're not in that day to day thing. But what they are 
is they are determining who's running the show. They are deciding here's who your GM is. Here's who your coach is. Chuck Fletcher had no interest in hiring John Tortorella last year. None whatsoever. Mm-hmm. He had other candidates that he wanted to hire that were lesser names. But because the Flyers had such a disaster of a season last year, ownership felt it needed a name at coach to kind of get people talking about the Flyers again. And to their credit, it's worked in the sense that they are a little bit more competitive and there are more butts and seats this year. So in that regard, it's worked for them, right? But this is not a relationship that's a good relationship between general manager and coach. It just isn't. They don't see eye to eye on a lot of things. But who made that call? Ownership made that call. Ownership doesn't know, right? They don't know what to do. So who do they rely on? They rely on the voices of Clark and Holmgren and Barber and Dean Lombardi, who are the four senior advisors. So those four guys are determining who the coach is. Those four guys are telling ownership, don't fire Chuck Fletcher right now. Keep Give him a chance. He's, you know, he's going to get this right. He's going to get this right. But he's been in place for five years. And he still hasn't gotten it. Not nothing has gotten right. It's gotten a lot worse. So, like, what makes you think it's going to get any better anytime soon? So it's those voices in the ear of ownership that need to be stopped. That's ownership needs to make a determination and say, okay, listen, we're going to go in a new direction. Thank you for your time. You want to be ambassadors? Come out and shake hands and kiss babies. Okay, fine. But making management decisions, you can no, you guys can no longer do that. That's what needs to happen. And you just mentioned torts there, Anthony, and I'm glad you did because I wanted to ask you about torts. And as you know, this is, you know, uh, you know, for some people who don't know, it's been a very unique situation in Philadelphia in that you have some of your best players who haven't played a single game this year. Obviously, Sean Couturier, Cam Atkinson, Brian Ellis. And I think mm-hmm. there's probably, and you would know much better than we would, there's probably been a lot of talk in Philly about how different this year could have been if you had even one of those players, right? Especially Couturier, who's arguably your, your best all-around forward. But I wanted to ask you, you know, how you think Torts has done the job he's done with this team, considering that you don't have Couturier and Ellis, I mean, is arguably your most your most well-rounded defenseman, right? So how would you how would you assess what he has done with this group? I mean, they're obviously not currently in a playoff spot. They're, you know, they have some work to do to get into the playoffs and they'll have to pass a team like the Sabres. And as a second part of that question, how safe is his job? I think he signed a three-year contract or a two-year contract, but considering that, as you mentioned, Chuck Flesher and Torts don't see eye to eye, like how safe is he right now? Yeah, I think Torts is fine. Um, I, I think that when you look at what he's done this season, it, how can you not think he's done a heck of a job? It Really, this team is full of young players, full of um, uh, really AHL types too on the back end of the roster and they're and they're competitive they win they they beat the teams they're supposed to beat they have a a winning record against non-playoff teams right like a significant winning record and while they have a losing record against teams that are currently sitting in a playoff spot if you look at those games they've gone overtime with them six times they've lost by one goal i think total of 12 11 or 12 i have to update it uh, check and check and see because the last couple games have been one goal games like they they are in games and it's all because of torts system and and they are for the most part bought in i mean there's a couple of guys i know it made a lot of hay when he benched kevin hayes who you guys are familiar with from his time in winnipeg um you know but aside from that and maybe one or two other guys like they're all in with torts they buy into this and they believe it. And so you look at this team and say they shouldn't be as good as they as good as they are, which isn't great, but they shouldn't be where they're at. 
they should be one of the bottom five teams in the NHL, and they're not because Tortorella has done a great job coaching them, and they've gotten good goaltending too. I don't want to take anything away from you know Carter Hart for the most part for the year, Sam Erson who came up and played um, a half dozen games and looked really really good in those games. So you know goaltending's been good too, but it's really been the coach and his system that the, these players have bought into. So I think he's done a great job. Um, he's here for, he signed a four-year contract actually uh, as he, he um, uh, so he's got three more seasons after this one. Uh, and it's going to be interesting to see, you know, where they go from here because unless they get, pl- unless they go out and get players and I, you know, you guys mentioned players that are out of the lineup. I, I would argue that even if all three were healthy, I'm not sure how much difference it makes as far as total wins. Maybe two to three, I, I would say. I mean, I don't think it's I don't think it's much more than that. Like if you there's there's analytical math that you guys can do. I mean, I know it's uh, Charlie O'Connor from the Athletic. Yeah, really. He did a story and part of his mailbag. Um, he did a story about that, like what what their value would be, and it ended up being I think grand total of like two point one wins or something along those lines. So it's not a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so what does it make them? Does it make them a playoff team close maybe? But if, do you really want to be the, the last wild card this season in the Eastern <laughs> Conference and have to play Boston? You're losing three. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. Like, it, I don't know what good it does you. So, it, like, the Flyers are in a bad a bad spot. It, this was the year to be really bad, obviously, mm-hmm. with the draft coming up. And they're not. And they're going to end up picking seven, eight, nine. And they'll get a good player, and that's great. But they're not going to get one of those – top four that are going to be, you know, game changers in this league. Anthony, we know fans in Philly aren't necessarily the most patient if, uh, and they're a little <laughs> vocal and they're, they're animated. And we loved it when we were at the draft in 2014, we had a great time uh, in Philly and, and getting a chance to, to, to be in your city and, and that, have, you know, like I said, it's, it's quite an experience, but the reason I asked that, or the reason I make that statement is just simply because this is a team, you know, 50 years removed from their Stanley cups. They had a good run of success in 2007, 8 to 2011, 12, including a Stanley Cup Finals loss. But since that point, look, they're not as they're, no, they're not quite as bad as the Buffalo Sabers in terms of uh, futility because the Sabers, you know, they're at least making the playoffs every other year. But what is the long term vision for this team? Because I, I can't imagine. And I know you wrote about it because that's part of the chaos in your opening answer to Drew. But I mean, from a fan base perspective. A, a fan base that isn't doesn't take losing lightly. How are the fans reacting? Because you said there's more butts in the seat, but given the fact that this team doesn't seem to have that vision, how is that sustainable? Yeah, it's not. And, and there's only more butts in seats in comparison this season to last, right? So <laughs> la- last season, there were some games where they didn't, they announced a bigger crowd. You guys know, I mean, the announced yeah, crowd yeah. is tickets sold. It's not the actual drop count. The drop count is the actual people who come into the building, right? right. So, but there were drop counts in the 6,500 range wow. last year. Okay, that's how bad it had gotten. So now you're getting, they're back up over 10,000 a game, right? But there's still a lot of empty seats out there. Right. And, and so that's how the fans are reacting. They're saying, you know, we're not coming back until you guys prove to us that you're worth coming to see night in, night out to be a competitive team. So that's how they're reacting. But what's the direction, Dave? I, I couldn't tell you. Because if you look at it over that course of that decade, right? I mean, so after that that group fails in 2012, and, and that's mostly because they lost Pronger that year to the eye injury. And, and he was the guy, not just, I mean, obviously he's a, he's a great player, but he was the one guy in that locker room who could have controlled Bruce Galov. And so once Pronger goes out and you don't have him there to kind of, 
take charge, the goalie goes nuts, right? And then they end up losing in the second round of New Jersey. I actually talked to Mike Richards after the fact, and he had said, we were convinced we were playing Philly in the final, and we weren't sure we could beat them. That's that's how that's what L.A. was thinking. They won the Stanley Cup. OK, right. so wouldn't they, that have been a hell of a storyline? It would have been fun, right? It would have been a great, <laughs> would have been a great storyline. Yeah. But that the, that Philly team was probably the better one of the better teams in that 2008 to 2012 run. That was probably one, one of their better teams. But since then, you, so you Holmgren steps out of the GM spot. Hextall comes in. Hextall has a bunch of bad drafts at the top. He's had a few you know gems that he's gotten later in the in the in the rounds that have turned into nhl players which is great but no top end talent he missed obviously on the nolan patrick pick he missed on Hermann rupzoff that was a bad pick um uh even 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 in the second round, like later in the first round uh they took morgan frost um and and then they traded up for isaac ratcliffe and missed out on robertson who's going crazy in dallas right i mean so there was a lot of misses in there and a lot of the players that he said, hey, give us pay, be patient, be patient. The kids are coming. They've made they've turned into NHL players. But are they stars? No. I mean, Sanheim's a nice defenseman, but he's just a second pair guy. Right. Probably um, Provorov's not a one. He's a two, maybe a three, but he's he's a two. OK, so he's not that star defenseman, you know, Um and, and even like guys like, you know, Konechny's having a great year this year and fi- finally kind of breaking out. But I mean, it took seven years. Mm-hmm. And is it, con- will he be consistent beyond this year? So you look at what Hextall's done and then, you know, trading Braden Shen and getting two players. You heard Bob Clark say it on the Cam and Strick podcast, right? I mean, he, he said Hexy's put us, sent us back uh, almost a decade with the way he, <laughs> ma- with the way he managed the team. And then Hextall leaves and you bring in Fletcher and Fletcher's there. You got to try and clean it up which he has but he's very conservative in how in his approach he's not willing to, be, to go out and take a risk in the draft like everyone thought no oh, Cole Caulfield you got to take Cole Caulfield he's at the pick mm-hmm. and they went with Cam York because they felt oh well we can get Bobby Brink in the second round and we think the combination of York and Brink will ultimately be better than us just drafting Caulfield well I don't know. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll wait and see, but I mean, we'll see what you, you see what Caulfield is already, right? Yeah. So there's a lot of conservative in Chuck that just doesn't work out. And so that's been five years. So you had five, four, four and a half years of Hextall and four and a half years of Fletcher. And it's been stuck in that neutral spot for those that entire time with no idea of where you're going. And I don't know if the Flyers know where they're going right now. I mean, you got to hope. That the kid that they drafted in the first round last year, Cutter Gauthier, who's having a really mm-hmm. nice season at Boston College, right, and was looked great for Team USA and World Junior. Mm-hmm. Um, you got to hope that he is the real deal. Otherwise, who who's left that's top end? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, you could say Couturier is a top line center, but he hasn't played hockey in two years. Who knows what he's going to look like when he comes back, right? Okay. You know, and Cam Atkinson is not getting any younger. You know, I mean, I don't, he's probably a second line, maybe it's still a second line winger. Konechny's probably just a second line guy. He's a first line guy on a bad team, but probably on a good team as a second line guy. So like, where does, where is all that top talent coming from? They don't have it. They don't have it in the system and they just, they need to acquire assets. That's what they need. And they're just not doing it. And that they, or they don't seem to have a plan to do it. And that's the problem. 
Well, let's talk about acquiring assets. Anthony Sanfilippo of CrossingBroad.com is our guest on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Anthony covers the Flyers, has done so for over a decade, at least so far, probably closer to two decades. Over two decades. There you go, over two decades. (laughs) Uh, Well, I was going to say, it's uh, next week, Anthony, is our 14th year anniversary, uh, going back to the Red River College radio days, and you were one of our first guests, I think, a couple of months in, we had you on when you wrote for the Delaware County Daily Times. So yeah, it's been yeah. at least fourteen years. Yeah, yeah. No, I've been uh, I've been covering the Flyers since the uh, two thousand two thousand one season. That's my right. first year. So you you mentioned you know trade assets, trade chips, you know things of that nature, and of course the trade deadline is coming up. I, I you know I want to ask about Ivan Provorov, and mm-hmm. I want to take away the whole pride thing out of the equation just sure. for this conversation because even before that came to the surface there was a lot of talk about him being on the block he wasn't happy with his role on the flyers reading between the lines it sounds like he might not get there's there might be some uh conflict in the dressing room uh, mm-hmm. between him and some of the other players on the mm-hmm. team you would know better than i would on that front so you know First of all, it's going to be very controversial for any team to acquire him now, which has obviously probably sunk his trade value to a fair degree. But if a team bites that bullet and decides to acquire him, what are you getting? Because this is a guy who had been linked to Winnipeg. You know, there was the talk about, you know, the Jets, you know, way back when had explored line a for Provorov. You Mm -hmm. and I discussed that before he played for Brandon. He played for the Wheat Kings. So, you know, what is Ivan Provorov as a strictly on ice performer uh, for the Flyers at this point of his career? He's not a, he's not a bad defenseman. I I think that what happens, I think he gets a lot of bad publicity in this town. Uh, uh, Like you said, outside of the whole pride thing, he gets bad publicity because he, everyone expected him to be that superstar defenseman i look i'll be honest i had a big argument with some people at crossing broad about four years ago they were putting together a list of the top 20 athletes in philadelphia and they had pro they, i didn't even think they had pro on the list and i was telling them this guy's got potential to be a Norris trophy character guy and this was four years ago i kind of felt that that's what his ability was and I was wrong, and I'm not the only one. I mean, a lot of people were wrong on him. And so I think that because he's not meeting that expectation level, people don't think he's good. He's still a very good defenseman. Okay, he's a guy who can play 25 minutes a night. He doesn't miss a game. He's durable as can be. He's really – yeah, he's really good. At, right, exactly, just misses warm-up. He, he, only, the only games he's ever missed in his career were – he missed two games that were related to COVID. Right, and he was asymptomatic. He was he wanted to play, like when they wouldn't the league wouldn't let him. Um, so he's really durable. He's really good in his own end. He plays a physical style, right? He's very positionally sound. He can skate with the puck well. He's just it's just a he's a little bit of a hand it's like catching a hand grenade uh, when he catches passes. That's what he's he wants to be on the power play, but shouldn't be. His shot's not bad, but the, you try and get a puck back to him and it explodes on the F off the end of his stick. And he's also not quick making a decision on that power play. So that's where he's kind of hurt the team in, in, in the past torts took him off the power play entirely. Mm-hmm. Like he doesn't even play power play now. That was uh, caused a lot of some of the conflict there, right? Right. It certainly has. He wants to play on the power play and torts and torts is telling him, no, you're not, you don't, you don't deserve it. So, you know, what, did, what would a team get? A team would get a legit, top pair guy especially if you have somebody a really with. good player to pair him with mm-hmm. and especially if you could keep him on the left side he's better on the left than he is on the right 
So if you have a good right hand, right side defenseman, right hand shot defenseman at you on your top pair, and you need that, you know, left shot defenseman, well, then that's a really good addition. And you're going to get a really good player. And he's still young. Right? He's still 25 years old. Right? He's young. Mm. He's turning 20, turning 25. Or either just turning 25 or just turning 26. Either way, he's still young. So there is great value there. And and Chuck Fletcher, from what I understand, talking to some of my guys, he's holding out. Like he wants real value in return. If you're trading Provrov, he wants real value. Like he wants an NHL caliber player, top six forward, or a combination of like a pros like a really, really top end prospect and a draft pick. Like he wants a lot for him. And you know, teams right now are balking at it. I know that LA they asked they asked LA for Byfield. <laughs> and LA said no. And then Flyers said, all right, well then call us back when when you're willing to make that move. I mean so that so that's kind of what you're looking at, right? I mean that's what that's what the Flyers are looking at. Will now this was previous to the whole pride thing so maybe that comes down a little bit right because you, you are you know he is a little bit toxic now <laughs> of course um but if you think you're a stanley cup contender and winnipeg certainly is in the western conference this year do you make do you bite that bullet and make that move for a guy like Provorov? i i would i think he would go i think he would be a great fit with the jets i really do and I think it would do. He would be comfortable there, obviously, having played junior hockey there. Um, and and it's a really good team, and he could just kind of assimilate and fit right in. I think that's the perfect kind of scenario for him. The question is, what will Chevy give the Flyers back? And that's what you, that's what you guys have to figure out. And I think I don't think they're the only team. Obviously, I know, like I said, LA is interested as well. And I think there's probably two other two or three other teams that are interested. Um, what are they willing to give up? And if 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 that is the limit, if their limit is not what the Flyers want, the Flyers will hold on to him because he signed for a couple more years, and they could just do that. They can keep him because he's it's a, actually a valuable contract when you really think about it. So it's a salvageable relationship still in Philadelphia. I don't think so. Oh. I don't think it's salvageable <laughs> at all. Um, I just think it's a situation where they sit there and say we don't have to move him right now like we can't we can move we could try again in the summer when 31 teams might be interested as opposed to five or six mm -hmm. right so i i think it's one of those kind of situations and, and i don't think provrov has not demanded a trade but i do know that they've spoken about the potential of maybe if it maybe it's better if he goes somewhere else um and i think both sides agree but it's not something that it's like you have to do this or else we're going to make a big public stink out of it. So no, it's out of, it's not to that point yet, but I do think that there's going to be something that happens. I would be I would be surprised if it happens at the deadline, but I certainly think it will happen in the summer. Anthony, I wanted to ask you about Wade Allison, right? Cuz he's just uh, yeah. you know, about an hour south of us in in Carmen, Manitoba. That's his hometown. I think he was uh, Roland is also where he calls hometown here in Manitoba, a smaller town near Carmen. Mm -hmm. I wanted to ask you about Wade because obviously, you know, he played the full four years, Western Michigan, played a little bit with the Phantoms in the AHL, but he's having a breakout season with with seven goals. And he's been on that third line. I believe that third line is with Kevin Hayes and Scott Lawton, if I'm not mistaken. I'm not sure if they've been together the, the whole year or just part of the year, but I know that uh, last time the Jets and Flyers played a week ago, that was the line. And, you know, just wanted to ask you about, you know, Allison and his value with the Flyers because I imagine he's a guy that, you know, in the dressing room, really well-respected, a guy who, you know, started his NHL career a little bit later than 
than some players, but it seems like if just yesterday he was drafted in Buffalo. Dave and I were there in uh, in 2016. But just how would you assess uh, Allison's play? Because obviously, you know, he's he's having the most success he's ever had at the NHL level this year with the Flyers. Uh, if you could say healthy, he's a great fit for that third line. I mean, that's right where he belongs. Um, and, you know, Scott Lawton is the de facto captain of this team. Um, I don't know if you guys know, Torts decided that there shouldn't be any captain this year, and he gave only one player a letter, and it was Scott Lawton is wears an A, right? So nobody else wears an A, just Lawton. So he's the de facto captain. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's had a Lawton's had his best year as a flyer. Kevin Hayes has had his best offensive year in his career. He's got 44 points in 48 games. I think that he I think it's that he's what he's played. Um, and and Allison fits really nice. They they put that line together, I'd say right around the holidays maybe just maybe just before um again i know they played at toronto carolina back to back i think that i think that's about when allison came i'm trying to remember when he came back from his injury but that's that's when they put that line together and it's been together ever since and it's been a very productive line for him now allison went out of the game in minnesota the other night i don't know what his status is if he's going to be playing tonight in winnipeg should mention um, anthony you know this but he he got into a fight with i think it was mason shaw right so yeah. i'm not sure if it had anything to do with that but he didn't he did drop the mitts in that game yeah yeah so i don't know what his i i don't know what his injury is um i do know that zach McEwen's out of the lineup and Kiefer bellows is going to be in that that was related to the fight as well um but if allison can stay healthy that's that's the perfect role for him and he's been a good player in that role uh you know and you know they need him they need him to do a little bit more they think he can score a little bit more than he has um but he he plays in a straight line and he plays good one good with the puck he's got a nice shot um he's not terrible defensively like he's he's actually pretty reliable in his own end so like it he's a he's a player that i think that they look at and say as we are moving forward and as we are building this this is a guy we think could be part of that nucleus maybe not at a higher level maybe he just is that third line guy but that's okay you need them right you need those kind of glue got glue players wade allison certainly fits that bill Anthony Sanfilippo covers the Philadelphia Flyers for CrossingBroad.com. He's a longtime good friend of this program. Anthony, thanks for this. It's been great catching up with you. Well, are we not going to are we not going to do a score prediction between the Eagles and Niners? Oh, well, well, he says he's not an Eagles fan, well, but I am a Niners fan. Here, look, I got the 49ers hat. Oh, you are oh, a Niners I love fan. It. Okay, I didn't realize. Why go. are you a Niners don't, fan? Don't wear that in Philly. <laughs> yeah, I know. I grew. I grew up a 49ers fan. Joe Montana. My era was Joe, Joe Montana, Jerry Rice. I mean, I was a kid and I loved them. Um, they were good, obviously. You know, when you're a kid, you root for the good teams, right? Um, but I've always rooted for San Francisco, and I can't be more excited that the 49ers and Eagles are playing tomorrow. And uh, I'll. I think will it's going to be a very game, Anthony. I will not be at the game. I'll be sitting and watching it on TV. That's what um, to be. But safer uh, that way. Yes, much safer that way. And <laughs> I'm going to ride with the Niners. I think it's a low-scoring, t- tough, close game either way. I think these are the two best teams in the NFL. I think whoever wins, wins the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, But I'll take the 49ers and a close one, say something like um, like 23-20, some, somewhere in that that range i think is what the game's going to be so well, you heard it you heard it here first folks anthony says the niners win 23 20 i'm, anthony. They, I'm behind the niners for from Philly, so I can, I can, yeah we got the royal rumble coming up too yeah that's that's here isn't it everything's in philly no, yeah San, everything San is happening in philly oh no something some oh the 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 raw raw, raw. monday raw night was just was the 30th anniversary 30th anniversary yeah. was just here in philly yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, we have a lot going on here man you do have a lot it's crazy that's- 
That's why you only have to go to one spot. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> Baseball, football, basketball, hockey. It's all I was at the, I was at the world. Yeah. Guys, I was in the locker room that when the Phillies won the NLCS and I was getting ready to do the interview with the team owner, John Middleton. And I'm just kind of like standing off to the side because he's doing a TV interview. I'm like just waiting to do a one-on-one with him. And three players come over just as that's happening with the champagne bottles and the beer. And they start spraying it all over him and all over me. I got a great photo of me with my glasses flying off and champagne pouring over my head standing right behind the the owner so yeah it was really cool to be part of that as well so yeah and now the sixers are great the sixers yeah. are doing really well it's a, it's a wild time except the hockey team nobody really cares about the hockey team right except the team so. you spend the most of your time covering except yeah exactly. for that you know exactly. <laughs> there you go anthony thank you buddy it's great seeing you anytime guys love it cheers anthony. Anthony. anthony real soon there he goes hey, anthony san filippo our good friend joining us this morning on the illegal curve hockey show we'll go to break when we come back one last quick segment and then we'll get you set for tonight's jets flyers game and then the illegal curve post game show after that don't go anywhere we're going into overtime here on the illegal curve hockey we're back one final segment this Saturday morning. We may have started six minutes late today, but at least we'll go a few minutes over that to make sure everyone gets their full two-hour window of illegal. Naomi for sure is like sitting or standing at the, the back, like at the back of our house by the door with like a stopwatch. And she's probably like counting down every second right now. So yeah, we can go a few minutes late, but let's not, sure, let's so not we'll take it to 11.15 or anything like that, Drew. Well, my kids and wife have gone somewhere. I'm not 100% sure where they've left to. So, Dave, what do you say? An extra hour, hour and a half today? Are you good hey, whatever you need. I'm okay, available. There you go. You and I, you know. As I'm, I've got I've got time until the moose are at the zoo uh, at 1.30 to 2.30. So, I'll. Sure, you, know, uh, you, can, you can text Laura, like, and just ask ask Laura where they are. Like, Yeah, no, I know where they actually are, Ezra. I just, you know, I was I was just going on with oh. a little bit of a shtick here on the show. I But I appreciate that. Uh, 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 or use your pager. Use your pager. Primer timer knows who the stars of this show are. Yeah, I was going to say, prime timer, words hurt, my friend. Uh, words hurt. But uh, speaking of words uh, hurting, I was great. This is made up with yesterday. I had the opportunity to meet Doug Thorosky, who, of course, is in the chat uh, on a regular basis. He's a two-time uh, Tough Duck winner. He is a multiple-time Tough Duck winner. He's a and? Curve merchandise contest winner, but it was uh, just by happenstance we happened to run into each other, uh, and it was great to finally meet Doug in person. We took a great photo together uh, that's uh, available on Ezra's Instagram account. If anyone wants to check that out, uh, you can find it there. On Nobody Ezra's wants to check Instagram. out my Instagram. Well, there's some deep dark secrets there, folks. You just don't <laughs> want to see what you don't want to see what's happening on that Instagram account. In any event, it was great to see Doug, just like it is great to see all of you here this Saturday morning, and again, hopefully later on tonight, uh, 8:45. Uh, myself and Ezra will be here to talk about the Jets Flyers game. Uh, you know, it 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 would be. Uh, you know, excessive to say it's a must-win game for the Winnipeg Jets because none of their games right at this stage of the season are must-wins. But the team definitely needs a stronger performance, and that's something that I think they know, they spoke about, and I'm curious to see how they can respond to that, uh, To uh, you know, especially in light of yesterday's comments and everything else, and see how they can take care of a weaker opponent uh, against the Flyers tonight and then again on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday when they face the St. Louis Blues on all four four days based on my reading of the calendar. Yeah, they're not must-win games, Drew, as you mentioned, but they're want-wins, if you want to tell call it that, in, in that they want to win these games because they've last lost four of their last six, and some of those games have been pretty ugly, including the last game against the Sabres, in which the Sabres you know, c- controlled the play, I would argue, for you know two-thirds, three-quarters of the game. It wasn't until late in the third, right, boys, that the Jets had their pushback and made it a little bit interesting that we mentioned this a couple nights ago. The score really flattered the Jets. Anybody watching that game mm-hmm. or, you know, 
going to natural statric and checking out the possession numbers would know that the expected goals uh, were heavily tilted in the favor of, of the Sabres. So, yeah, I mean, the Flyers are a scrappy team. We just saw them last Sunday, and, you know, the Jets needed uh, some heroics from Carson Kuhlman to win that game. But, you know, Kevin Hayes is a player you always have to be worried about. Travis Konechny is a dangerous player. Um you know, but the the fall off is is pretty steep after that. Like you've got a top heavy Flyers roster. I mean, I should, you know you throw in you know James Van Riemsdyk as well, and Noah Cates is having a good rookie season. Scott Lawton is a guy that you have to worry about. But the point is, I mean, the Flyers are kind of that prototypical. Like they've got you know a, a good second line, and then you know a bunch of third lines. They don't really have a legitimate top line. Certainly, like you know the Jets or Bruins or Leafs or you know some of the elite teams in the league right now. So yeah, you have to win this game and you know, you hopefully want to get some guys breaking out offensively, Dave, right? Like we've, we've talked about, you know, some of the scoring struggles on the third and fourth lines, but, you know, Ehlers hasn't scored a goal in his last three games. Not saying that he hasn't played well, because I actually thought he was the Jets' best forward yeah. uh, last game against the Sabres. But yeah, you got to have a much better performance and you got to simplify your game and definitely get more rubber on the net, whether that's Carter Hart or, or Sandstrom. Um, you know, you have to see more sustained pressure. You want to see that speed used better by the Jets, and you want to get some guys going, like I said, who've been struggling offensively. They certainly do want to get Put some on guys. your antlers. It's time for the Manuk Moose Minute on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. You know, jerk face, I was actually going to set you up for that. I was going to do it again. Try it again. Hold on. Pretend like that didn't happen. <laughs> I'm not going to do it again, but I was going to give you that opportunity because I know the like Moose it. played last night against the Marlies. They, were, they fell to the Toronto Marlies, and I was going to tee you up for Sunday because it's Dancing Gabe's 60th birthday, and it's a celebration at the Moose game on Happy Sunday. birthday, Dancing Gabe. I'll let you go. Uh, I'll let you continue now, Dave M., to uh, wrap up uh, this morning's program. Put on your antlers. It's time for the Manuk Moose Minute on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. <laughs> Wait, how did that happen twice? <laughs> Anywho, uh, yeah, the Moose were in action last night against the Marlies, having won twice last week against the division-leading Texas Stars. So uh, there was some expectation they might get some guys back. Of course, Billy Hainola, after being reassigned, he returned to the lineup. And um, and Jansen Harkins, who had missed both games last week, he was back in the lineup. Cole Meyer, Evan Poli, two-thirds of the lunch pail line, they were still unavailable. They may be able to play tomorrow. Um, and so, yeah, ultimately the Moose lost. They had a final push. Leon Gavanke scored from uh, Ville Hainola and Jansen Harkins on a six on five to try and to narrow the lead to one, but the Moose ultimately lost. But you're right, Drew. The big focus is tomorrow, Dancing Gabe's birthday, 60 years old for the Winnipeg legend. And so it should be a great celebration for Dancing Gabe. Great guy, always brings, get, make sure that Aleel Carve has uh, holiday cards. Always says hello to me. Always knows everything. I always ask when I see him in the arena how you two are doing. So he's a he's a real friend of this show, and we he's a man, he's a friend. He's a friend of everybody in the city, and he's he is a Winnipeg legend uh, appropriately. So, and I like that the Moose are choosing to spend to celebrate his birthday. So I'm sure there'll be a lot of fun festivities for Dancing Gabe. We wish him happy birthday here, obviously on the show, and you too can be in attendance to wish Dancing Gabe a happy birthday because. I have four seats in the illegal curve zone there for anyone who go. wants to go to the game. So if you want to go see the moose in action against the Marlies, the final game of this homestand, I believe it's probably the final time of the year that they're going to wear the uh, white jerseys. They'll switch to the dark blues for after the all-star break. So final chance to see that opportunity to wish dancing gay birthday, see the start, the, the jets prospects 
in action. Lots of opportunity. It should be a good one tomorrow afternoon. Puck drop is at two o'clock. So if you want to go to the game, uh, you can get a chance to that. And also, if you're curious about Jets prospects, as you and I were talking about doing a prospects update one of these days, we should. We haven't done that yet. But in the notes today, uh, I've got some updates on uh, Chaz Lucius in 2021. First round of the Jets. He's with Portland, of course. He had two goals, one assist last night in the win over uh, the Broncos. And uh, Brad Lambert's still dealing with some visa issues. So he's not playing right now for Seattle. He played while they were in Canada. And Rutger McGordy had a goal for Michigan in their win over Penn State. And I believe Danny Jilkin, who uh, had a couple of goals maybe in the OHL. So lots happening with the prospects. Trying to keep it up to date. Go to illegalcurve.com in the morning papers in one of the notes. I think note four has an update. There you go, IllegalCurve.com, your home for all the latest Winnipeg Jets news, audio, Manitoba Moose news, audio, everything to do with hockey here in this fair city. And the Illegal. ice lost also, sorry, Drew. We should say the ice lost yesterday. A rare loss, Lethbridge. Lethbridge. Yeah. yeah, and they're in, they've are in. they got a three and three, so they're playing Red Deer. Three in Alberta uh, today, tomorrow, yesterday, today, tomorrow. They're in Red Deer, which is a battle of the, first, the top two teams in the Eastern Conference. There you go, Dave M. Keeping everybody up to date on everything that's going on. That's the end of hearing from Dave M. For the rest of today, he's gone for tonight's post game. Ezzy and I will be here at eight forty-five p.m. Central Time to talk about the Jets and the Philadelphia Flyers. Ezzy will be there if Naomi doesn't murder him. It's a fifty-fifty shot. We're not sure what's going to happen. Maybe it'll be the Drew Mandel experience, and we all can look forward to that. I want to say a big thank you to all of you for joining us this morning. It was great uh, fun as per usual. Big thanks to Kenny Weeb and. And Anthony Sanfilippo, in case you missed any of the program, the instant replay is available on our YouTube channel. The podcast will be available very shortly. Dave M will be hard at work getting that up. And of course, we want you to join us tonight for the Illegal Curve postgame show. The best place to be each and every Saturday and again after every Jets game is the Illegal Curve YouTube channel. Want to say a big thank you to the, our sponsors who make the postgame show, the Saturday show, and the website a possibility. Our friends at Rumors Restaurant and Comedy Club. Uh, Kevin Farley in town tonight all shows sold out as they've been all week Kyle Bottom next week a lot of those shows are almost sold out as well get them quickly get your tickets quickly rumorscomedyclub.com you really had to get on top of that to get those tickets yes exactly that's very clever there as he's using the pun on the, on his name being Bottom that was well done I, I, I picked up on that one I, Dave's t- terrible joke about the pager I still uh, went right over my head that one I got no no, no we were talking about JG Pajot not a pager <laughs> there you go. Zapia Group Realty, Linden Market Dental Center, Betway, Tough Duck, Boston Pizza, Seagram's, Rolly's Transfer Grid Park, and the Keg support these fine businesses because of their continued support of illegal curve hockey. We appreciate all your support. Leave us some feedback everywhere you can find this show, everywhere you get this show. We'll be back later tonight, 845 after the Jets and the Flyers. Until then, folks, have a great rest of your Saturday. For Dave Manuk, for Ezra Ginsberg, I'm your host, Drew Mandel. If it's Saturday, it's the Illegal Curve Hockey Show live on YouTube and our social media platform. Thanks for listening to this broadcast from Illegal Curve Hockey. For more great Illegal Curve content, subscribe to the Illegal Curve YouTube channel, follow at Illegal Curve on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and visit your online home for hockey in Winnipeg, IllegalCurve.com.